This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Previously on Homestale Radio. Uh, did you hear his comments on Jimmy Kebe? Yeah, pretty pretty revealing in terms of his. They asked what what happened with Jimmy Kebe, and the answer is I don't think he fancied it. <laughs> you know. Um, and again, I remember people saying at the time, like everyone's like, "Oh, is he injured?" And it's like, mm, you know, we're still probably still paying the guy. Yeah, yeah. To take the money and not run. But, um, <laughs> but <laughs> that, that was a better joke than anyone other than Patrick gave me credit for. That was very good. I like that. I hate you all. <laughs> <laughs> Just about the whole Marino Chelsea likes Palace. Future manager. <laughs> he absolutely is. But it's good. It's always good, you know, to, to to have friends, isn't it? You know, it's good to have friends in the in the Premier League. Oh, oh, that's, <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's fine. Oh, wow, wow. Why would Alex do that? Why would he do that? For all our contact information and to send us an email, visit holradio.net forward slash contact. There we go. Good evening and welcome to Homestay Radio. My name is Chris Hambling and I'm your host tonight on this final pre-season show. Tonight we look back at the last couple of friendlies as the squad finalised their preparations for the season ahead. We'll be speaking to Andy Woodman, a former Palace goalkeeper, Palace fan and long-time Pardew collaborator about his career and his return to SC25. We'll also be bringing you an exclusive chat with Chairman Steve Parrish on preparations for the new season as he reveals there is still plenty the club are working on as we approach the first game. With me tonight are Albert Curley. Evening. Evening. Joe Holyoke. Hi. <laughs> what is that? I've been and... in Croydon all day, and I? That's what it is. I'm trying to get right. into the... And you're thing. eating. Immediately eating as soon as the show I starts. I anyway. And also... Uh, all right, what are you eating? Let's get out of the way. Uh, chicken tikka. Bombaloo. Uh, naan. That's enough. Tab is in a kind of producing slash presenting role because Terence Ford has gone missing, um, mainly. Bonjour. Bonjour. Right, you can contact us today to contribute. Check holradio.net forward slash contact all the ways to do so. And we start the show, as always, with news in brief. 
Got something you'd like to get off your chest? Tweet us now at Whole Radio. Two youngsters are sent on loan, and is Wickham set to join Palace? News in brief. Crystal Palace reportedly on the verge of bringing Sunderland striker Connor Wickham to the club after they agreed a fee of around £8 million for the 22-year-old. Uh, despite the former Ipswich man only agreeing to a new four-year deal recently, it seems Palace have finally convinced the Black Cats to let the front man leave after upping their offer for him from January of 2014 when Tony Pulis tried to bring him to Sunderland's Park. Steve Parrish has spoken to us and insists the stadium improvement plans are still going ahead. The architects that we've got that are working on the sort of master plan are in my inbox, desperate to get together with me and, and, and have an update. So I'll be sitting down with them uh, next week, hopefully. And, um, but we're getting somewhere with it. Yeah, we're very keen, very enthusiastic. We've got a good scheme. Be interested to see what they come back with and where we are in their view and what we need to do. So uh, it's, it's all progressing in the background, definitely. You can hear the full. You can hear the full interview later in the show. Defender Ryan Innes has joined Port Vale on a season-long loan. The 20-year-old played five games on loan for Vale last season, but his spell was cut short when he suffered an ankle injury against Coventry City. Youngster Jerome Bidden Williams has also gone out on loan, joining Burton for the season. Quite up. Goalkeeping coach Andy Wibben has now made the switch from Newcastle Crystal Palace permanent. Was he on loan as a goalkeeping coach? Was he Mikey when he wrote this? <laughs> anyway, uh, leaving Tyneside to be reunited with former Boston teammate Alan Pardew. We spoke to Andy earlier this afternoon who had this to say about the fans. Because, you know, you mustn't, mustn't forget that I'm a fan. Um, and I'm seeing my club, Crystal Palace, signing players like Johan Kabaya. I'm hearing, you know, all these names mentioned. And I'm thinking, how fantastic and how exciting to be a Palace fan. And and I can assure you, the players that have come in, i.e. like Johan Kabaya, and I'm not kidding you, he's so excited of this crowd here, you know, he generally is. Uh, and I really don't think people understand how respected fans are, respected throughout the country with what they, with the, with the, with the sort of passion they've shown towards their team. You can hear our chat with him later on in the show. And don't forget, you can keep up with all the latest Palace news during the week, visit hltco.org. Why not air your own opinion with the team? Call 0208 1234 and join us live. Welcome back from News in Brief. Albert managed to refer to his own son, who was sitting on his lap at the time, as by his own name. It's pretty impressive, mate. Well done. Yeah, I mean, I can only apologise to him. I mean, he's won. He doesn't know. So No, he, no he'll never know, really. Unless he I doubt he'll listen back to this in many years' time. Weird, wouldn't it? Uh, let's have a little chat about Bromley first of all. That's um, had a couple of pre-season friendlies um, been played in the last week since the show, and um, the Bromley game was uh, was a six-nil win for Palace. Pretty comprehensive. The starting eleven, just so you know, was uh, McCarthy, uh, Kelly, Hangland, Luke Kroll, who's a, a, a sort of centre back who's come through the academy, uh, Christian Scales, who's a left back who's joined from Norwich last season, and something of a meteoric rise through the through the team. Uh, Wilfred Zaha. Jordan Much, Joe Ledley, Saleh Kaikai, Dwight Gale and Patrick Bamford started the game. Uh, and it was an impressive start. Two minutes into the game, Zaha just ran down the right and crossed in. And a great controlled finish from Saleh Kaikai into the net. Kaikai then, uh, four minutes later on six minutes, played a through ball to Bamford. And he left 
foot drove it. Mm, that's a really bad way of speaking. I'm going to carry on to the keeper's right. Um, then 10 minutes after that, Bamford got a one-on-one, -on -one, dispatched it confidently into the bottom corner. Um, and on the 20-minute mark, he completed his hat-trick as Kai Kai sent scales down the left. Uh, he crossed in and Bamford tapped home um, to make it 4-0. I say Anfrey's hat trick just in 20 minutes. Uh, just before half time, well, actually, no, on the, the half hour mark, in fact, Dwight Gale scored, drilled home a shot from the edge of the area, and that was 5 0 at half time. Uh, scales in the second half, Scales crossed and sort of the ball bubbled through a couple of uh, hapless defenders to Zaha to steal home, steer home, and that was that was the end of the scoring, but could have been a, could have been a lot more by all accounts. And um, yeah, so some good scoring there, but the, the main point of discussion, gentlemen, is Patrick Bamford. Now, obviously, there's only so much you can tell from friendlies and there's only so much you can say given the opposition. But, you know, Bromley are no mugs, really. And um, uh, it, it certainly bodes well, don't you think, uh, Albert, in terms of getting a striker in and getting him scoring a hat-trick in pre-season already? Yeah, you know, takes a certain type of player to score a 14-minute hat-trick. So, uh, you know, and he's, he seems to have quite a good finish on him. I know the third goal of the hat-trick's a bit of a, you know, half a yard out. Um, but he just seems to be confident and... Nice to see him running on to that through ball. Was that, did you say that was the second goal? I can't remember. That was, yeah, yeah. Kai Kai put that one in, yeah. Yeah, you know, not often you see goals like Well, we haven't seen goals like that for quite a while at Palace. And um, I'd like to see more of that, really. And he looked, it's good to see that he's got that sort of awareness to, to look for those. And, you know, hopefully with people like Kabai, who can, as we all know from his previous spells at other clubs, you know, he can put a ball in like that. So it's, it's certainly promising. Yeah, definitely. And obviously, we're not, we're look, not looking to. Um, to talk about this game for a huge amount of time, so we're just going to skim through it, really. But I mean, obviously, like Bamford got the headlines, and but uh, Dwight Gale got a good goal, Joe. But when you look at what Bamford did, and you compare it to what, um, you know, to compare it to Gale, just you know, generally just just putting the ball in the net once with a chance. Um, and I believe Gale was actually playing in front of Bamford as well. Do you think that maybe there's a case to suggest that, you know, why isn't Gale getting the goals that Bamford got in, in that sense? Um, I don't know. It could be down to the mindset. You know, it's a friendly. You know, it's just. Uh, I don't know. I, I, it's very hard for me to to try and look past, or or try and find the reasons why he's not setting the world alight. I, I I just think he needs to play off the shoulder, and I mean literally off the shoulder of a of a hitman of of of, of anyone that can flick a ball onto him. Um, but yeah, he's just being played sort. Of, out of position, or I don't know. Maybe well, we it's need, uh, yeah. we need a Maybe it's com a confidence thing, you know. But I, I, I personally think that he, you know, he just, he just reminds me so much of, you know, the right and bright with with Murray and Gale. It just reminds me of, of, of the, yeah. you know, the good old days. But obviously, that that's not the way that football is going to be played any anymore. So um, no, it's I still believe in him. And, <laughs> I say it's something we've been wrestling with on the show for a while, isn't it? How do we fit him in? I know a lot of people have spent a lot of time talking about it on the boards and what have you. Um, but that's like, I, I thought it was just an interesting point. You stick, you know, you stick Bamford in there, and you know he puts he puts Brentford away. You stick Gale in there, you know. And I don't know how much of what Bamford did. I, well, I do know to a point because I saw quite a lot of it. Um, was that um, of how much of, of Bamford, Bamford getting these chances to put away was due to Bamford. Not necessarily working harder, but working smarter than Dwight Gale, and Dwight Gale not being in the right those sort of positions, and that seems to be what's holding him back for me. You know, we we've talked at length about his his ability to finish, and the fact he's got two great you know his great feet, both both of them mean you know 
could, could score from all kinds of angles and distances. It's got a huge amount of power in both feet, and it's just trying desperately somehow to fit him in. Um, but I, I don't, I just don't see it happening now. And I think um, obviously we we talk to see Parish later on, and in the show we'll, you'll hear that. And and he was talking about people going out, and obviously the rumor that's um, sparked now is uh, is that um, the Gale will be one going on loan to yesterday's opponents, Fulham. Uh, so I don't, how do you feel about that, Joe? If we sent him out, um, <clears throat> well, the, the positive part for me is that he hasn't been sold. That's that's the most positive part for me. Um, if he needs to go out and go down the division and get and get his get his mojo back or or try and be a bit sharper. I mean, we already know, you know, that he, that he can score goals in that division. If he smashes it, will come back. You know, in a much better frame of mind. There's so much that we don't know about Dwight Gale. That's the, the the thing is, you know, you you go on YouTube, watch him and think, right, he was good at Peterborough, and he was very good for us in like spasmodically. Um, so maybe maybe he just needs to, uh, I don't know, like I say, go and find his mojo, and or, or or we or we accidentally find out how how to play him with another with another player. It's very confu- yeah. very confusing, very frustrating. You know, because we all know he can do it, and 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 I really, really like him. So, yeah, and I must say, we always get dragged with talking about Gale. But I mean, back back to Bamford, we got a tweet in uh, from HLTCO uh, saying the twenty minute hat trick at any level is impressive. And I suppose you say, obviously, we don't know an awful lot about Gale still. Um, like, I completely agree with that. And he he almost made that jump over the championship pretty much, didn't he? So um, I think going back to that level and seeing how he does is is a really good thing if that's what's going to happen. Um, but in terms of Bamford, he did that that level that you know that spell that in, that season in the championship, if you like, where he's you know he's performed and been voted the best player at that level, and it's just natural for him to to come in and, and play Premier League now. Um, whether or not he can, I mean, obviously, I, I agree with the, the twenty minute hat trick at any level is impressive, but whether or not he's going to you know play from the very very start, I don't know. We we seem to be very much still after strikers. Um, Tav, you've you've seen a few um, development games and things like that. Um, Kai Kai is one who's been catching the eye a little bit. What do you think about him and his chances of getting involved? Well, I think if you look at any academy player that's come through recently, I think he's got more chance than anyone to sort of make an impression on the team because he's already made a few first-team appearances already. So at some point at his age, which is quite good to make at any level. I mean, you've got Carl De Silva. He's one which we sadly let go. He's at Notts County now. And I think you could probably look at them into similar lengths in terms of their talents. But whether whether he'll make a breakthrough or not is quite is quite a question. Because you looking at Carl De Silva, you would have thought that he would have made, made a breakthrough. But sadly, he didn't. He did make about 10 first-team appearances in cups and all that sort of stuff. And also that little spell in the championship as well. But in terms of Kai Kai, he's a brilliant player. He knows he knows where where the net is. That's the most important thing. But whether he can do it at the level of the Premier League is another question. So hopefully, at some point he'll be given a chance because him alongside Christian Scales as well. I mentioned that name as well because he's also had an amazing preseason. He did yeah. well at Barnet. He did well. He did well in South Africa as well because he featured in some time there as well. And he has played quite well as well. He's caught. He's the one who's caught my in particular. But I think in terms of Kai Kai, I think there's a slight chance that he could possibly break through into the Premier League at some point. Whether that's anytime soon, that's a big question. Yeah, 
and I say, it's a, like you say, it's a very hard one to answer. And being a Premier League club now, of course, it, it's harder for these young youngsters to get in there. Um, but you know, there's there's definite scope for him to go out on loan at a better club than than Cambridge, and that's not being disrespectful to Cambridge. I'm just talking about at the level. Um, you know, he certainly should be looking at, at upper levels of League One slash Championship this year uh, if he does go out on loan. But just, it'd be really nice just to see you know to see one of these lads make a make an appearance in the Premier League this year. It'd be really good if we could do that. Um, Scales, it's great, great that you mentioned him because so he's almost come out of nowhere. I don't, I don't know if he was let go by Norwich or or we just managed to convince him to to move. But um, that's that's where he was. But he's he's in a position where we haven't got. You know, vast amounts of, of people in front of him, really. And we've, you know, he's in left back. Uh, Suarez's been brilliant pre season, but you go below that. Binon Williams has gone out on loan, so, you know, he's not really there. So, uh, Kelly's pretty much the cover for Suarez. But beyond Kelly, you know, Scales has, has, has in this pre season, has shown that he's, he's the next one in line. So, very exciting stuff that a player can, can come in and make that impression that quickly, I think. Um, <clears throat> I won't ask Albert's opinion on him. He's just put something in our chat that I'm not too. Sure. You could have done that joke, actually, Albert. It's probably a bit late now. I've slagged you off, isn't it? Yeah, it's far too late. I'm afraid. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Well, listen. That was, I don't want to talk too much more about that. There was a couple of appearances off the bench uh, of note in the course of that game. Connor Diamond's still about. Um, got himself another year. It's a very committed young player. Um, don't I don't honestly think um, I'm, well, I would see him at first team level, but I think he'd go on to have a very good career in the game. Uh, it was interesting to see Luke Kroll play ninety minutes. He's not one who's featured before, so pretty impressed there. Um, and a few other names: Keshi Anderson, of course, signed from from non league last season. He's he's the main man for the for you know in terms of reserve strikers. So it's been good good to see how he develops this season. And of course, Reese Alassani, uh, very very big year for him was kept on when there was a few doubting he would be after his star faded a little but if he can get back to the player he was that would be great uh Joe, you got some stuff in the chat room uh yeah <clears throat> i just asked him if he had any um any questions for our dubious panel um <laughs> and, and lines 550 said uh are they as worried as i am about the quality of the final ball if so is it really a striker we need to be after oh uh, it's an interesting question but i think that the quality of the final ball um, is is linked to the quality of the movement and bodies in the middle. Really, quite often the final ball, you know, when you've got four defenders in there against one player, it, it doesn't matter. Pr- pretty much that ball has to be perfect every single time. You know, it's it's a really difficult one. Um, so what you're saying is, if a forward gets on the end of it, then it's a quality ball, and if he doesn't, then it isn't. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's so how it's, it's forward's judged, fault. Right, not, not not every time you can see. Get Gal out of our club. He's rubbish. <laughs> you can see poor delivery, can't you? Um, poor delivery when you hit the first defender, you know, particularly from corners, that kind of stuff. You know, poor delivery when it's scuffed, and and quite often you do see our, our wide men sort of just not quite getting hold of the ball when they put a cross in in the, in the box. But it all just comes down to who you cross into as well. I, I think it's very easy to again people focus on this thing. This um, it's the hardest thing, isn't it? To is to put the ball in the net and. To that all to come together, um, and if it was easy, it, you'd you'd get huge scores every game, wouldn't you? But you don't. Most games are settled by the odd goal here and there, and the reason for that is because it's just, you know, it's it's a lottery when you have to make that final delivery. And obviously, the, the better the players you get in, 
and the better the players that you're aiming at, the the, the more chance you've got of scoring. But I, f- I, I, I think, don't know. I think he almost answered his own question. He's just put in here. So when Yala f- throws the ball into the crowd, the striker should be in the stand. If it's Fraser Campbell, that's probably going to be the case. Oh, (laughs) is he? um, Is he? Is he still with us? Campbell, I don't mean a lot. If I mean, is he still? (laughs) He is both alive and he did feature against uh, Uh, yesterday. Okay, I mean, I've put my hands up here, and and I, I said I didn't see the game. I only saw. No, no, that's so. I was was just busy, Um, but. um, yeah, John. John, a program said somewhere uh, said, "I think the problem for me is that he cannot play along, um, play as the lone striker, as Gal is too lightweight and not strong enough on the ball." Yeah, he's not the only only player who suffers with that. It's it's very difficult. The si- we talked about this before, but the system that seems to be favoured by most people seems to be this. You know, the, just a, a lone striker with. You know, we've got the winger slash support forward situation, haven't you? You've got we see the players out wide, but sometimes sometimes they're operating as wide strikers as well and cutting in. And that's why you get Gale occasionally playing wide left. And you've seen, well, obviously one of our targets, Connor Wickham, has played wide left for a striker for most of the time with, for Sunderland. So it's all a bit, yeah. Is that's the current fashion, isn't it? That's the current. Yeah. Fashion. Well, you you were talking about um, Alessani and uh, Tukan Eagle has said, well, "Do we think he'll get his chance this season?" No, I, I personally don't know. No. I think he's no. got. I think he's got a lot to do. Um, not well, that's not lots a, of chips. Yeah, maybe it's not a criticism of him. You know, he, he's built a certain way, and that you want you don't want someone because of their physical size to be ignored. He's clearly got talent, but you know, he had other problems as well. I think illness and injury and things like that, and he just he just went off the boil. So I think he's one who needs to first of all convince someone to take a chance on on taking him on loan and to play senior football. And to build himself up, I think he's more of a long-term project now than this this kind of this guy we thought was going to steam through and be a first-team player at fifteen or whatever. Joe, uh, well, if you if if you're saying that um, you know about physical about physical strength and stuff, I, I don't know if people have noticed, but the the actual height of our team has increased and it, and it increases. And if you go through the Premier League, you'll you'll see that. Probably the, the the standard of players is is six foot and over, so my my thing would be to, or my thinking would be, is the smaller player, um, sort of on his way out because everyone seems to be seems to be huge, you know. Most yeah. most of our most of our sent, you know, all of our players. I mean, apart from Kabai, you know, we've we've obviously bought him just purely for his ball playing and his quality. Yeah, and that's everyone you, else seems to be huge. Yeah, that's where the um, I suppose the niche is for the, for the smaller player. It's gonna, gonna be the same for Johnny Williams. It's the same for that that guy Messi, isn't it? As well, you kind of find a little space for them. I think to it's play gonna be his year this year. Yeah, you reckon? I reckon he'll be yeah. good. He's he's a pretty good player. He's good on he? FIFA, isn't he? He's great on FIFA. Yeah, he's got five star tricks, mate. It's amazing. <sighs> <laughs> but anyway, no, I, I do think that there is um, in within that system there is there is a place for for us for a smaller technical player. But it's it's difficult, isn't it? We're trying to get more technical players into the team, but there's there's this transition period to get through, which is going to be, I think, the battle, and that's that switching between the, you know, your, your, the melee Jednaks of this world, you know, solid, imposing, great in the air. It's it's all of those sorts of things. That's what we're. Um, you know that's what we're, we're kind of trying to get from that to to Kabai to 
you know, that sort of play. I don't know. I don't know. It's it, that's the only thing about this coming season that worries me a little bit because I think that that is a really difficult transition, and I really hope that we don't have this little, um, you know, a little wobble when we try and do it. If you like, um, there seems to be some suspicion around, and to be honest, I'm sort of one of them as well. Um, but uh, Dweeb has said uh, he, he thinks it seems a little bit suspect and uh, uh, to that Lions turned around and said that Jules, do you think Jules' hand injury is a fake? Um, that's what, no. a fake hand. <laughs> that would explain some of the... No, that's that would be really unkind if I finished that comment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do, you, do, you, I mean, is it, do, do you think that could be? Do you think that could, I mean, you just hear so much, don't you? Oh, yeah, he's got a, he's got a bad calf. He can't play today. Yeah. And, then, and, then there's a, and then there's a big... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a fake hand. Yeah. If we, is he? He's been his real legs. Yeah. Um, no. Um, no. I don't. I don't think there's anything suspicious about it. And all there's, there's no conspiracy, no. I don't think so on this one. I'm more inclined to believe um, believe the uh, worries about Velasquez. It's laughing about fake hands now. I've got to stop myself. <laughs> right. Um, did get a uh, tweet in earlier on from uh, Matt Woosnam. He's talking about in terms of young players to look for. Look out for uh, Aaron Basaka. He thinks it's going to be a very big year for him. In the under twenty ones, I'm still laughing about the fake hand thing. I need to calm down. Um, <clears throat> in fact, uh, we'll come back to this. We'll come back to um, we'll talk Fulham and a bit more sort of general Palace chat about players to look out for and that kind of stuff. But let's have a little break now where we talk about uh, the uh, well. Let's talk to Andy Woodman. Welcome to Homestay Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. Much appreciated. Um, so. Um, We'll start at the very, very beginning, if we may. What first got you into football, and specifically being a goalkeeper? Uh, I think it was more my older brother. He used to chuck me in goal with his uh, mates because I was the youngest. So uh, that was really the first sort of uh, way I got into goalkeeping, um, where an older brother used to chuck me in goal with no uh, no sort of uh, fight put up by me and uh, smash balls at me. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I used to treat my younger brother as well. He was yeah, yeah. I think most uh, it's a privilege of most older brothers. I think exactly. <laughs> um, obviously, growing up, you sort of everyone has their heroes. Um, you sort of as you as you watch football when you're younger, were you all, all sort of goalkeepers? Or who were heroes as you were? Growing um, up? I used to uh, I used to love Zico. Um, uh, weirdly enough, uh, he was a striker for Brazil um, mm. because I remember him putting a, a free kick in the top corner against uh, I think it was Alan Ruff for uh, Scotland. So I used to love him, but goalkeeping-wise, I used to love Bruce Cobbler uh, because I just thought he was a, a, an entertainer and he used to interact with the crowd at that particular time, so I used to love Bruce Cobbler. Nothing to do with him getting bungs, by the way. <laughs> no, absolutely <laughs> or not. Suppo- or, or should I say supposedly getting bungs, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I can never quite remember the actual <laughs> result of that. I'm, <laughs> there was some... There was some no, nor could I, no, nor could I, but I used to love him as a goalkeeper. Yeah, I was I was talking about him yesterday. Funnily enough, at the game we were talking about the whole spaghetti legs thing. But apparently, someone was telling me that they never talk about the fact he was actually eating the net, pretending it was spaghetti as well. So yeah, I just thought I'd bring that. <laughs> I didn't into know that myself. I didn't know that myself. <laughs> weirdly enough. <laughs> so um, yeah, so you sort of. I mean, how did Palace pick you up? Um, well, ironically, there was a uh, a guy that uh, got me a trial at. Um, uh, when I, I, went in, I got chucked in goal for the school team, bit of a long-winded story, but I'll make it as short as possible. <laughs> uh, I got chucked in goal for the school team just because the goalie didn't turn up. And the guy uh, refereed the match, 
And he put me forward for trials to South London, which was obviously the big thing in those days, Patriot County. Um, and it just really went on from there, really, then on to Crystal Palace. But, but the ironic thing of the story really is, is the guy, his name's Reg. And Reg is a guy that still works at Crystal Palace to this day. Uh, and every time I've been back, I've always seen Reg. Uh, he always comes up with a warm up around the pitch. And I've, actually, I have to say, Reg was one of the first people to text me saying, welcome home. <laughs> uh, which is kind of really fitting, really, because, I mean, that, that was the man that really sort of first spotted me uh, out playing in golf for to say him refereeing a match. That's amazing. I mean, that kind of yeah. leads me on to what I was going to say, because you obviously you came right the way through the youth ranks, and that's an experience which kind of inspired the book you did, Woody and Nord, with uh, your friend. Yeah. But back then, I suppose, if you've got someone like Red still working there, what, what's the difference, the club now, is it, to what it was like back then? Um, well, I haven't actually, I've only been back with Newcastle, uh, you know, this season, so I haven't actually, other than yesterday, I haven't really been back. One thing I have noticed is... Uh, it just surprised me, um, and I'm sure this is probably most clubs, but the amount of people that are so loyal to the to the club, and and and, and particularly Crystal Palace, that they they've worked there all those years and they love the club, and it's it's uh, that always uh, fascinates me and actually makes me feel quite humble uh, that you know the people that work there have been working there all those years, and I still see them, and they and they still remember me when I come back, and I'm sure they're like that probably most old players and particularly you know it, it, it makes me smile because obviously i wasn't exactly a household name when i was a player there um <laughs> you know so it, it, it's very nice and it actually it's always it's always been a nice sort of fix i've always looked out for mm. um obviously you mentioned there about sort of not being particularly a household name although i'm sure some people think you you are it seems like a pretty tough position to, to break through and do you think that you've got a fair chance to do that were you at palace before you left um I would have thought at the time I probably didn't, um, but now I'm older and a bit wiser. Um, you know, I did have a decent goalkeeper in front of me, Nigel Martin. <laughs> so, you know, uh, maybe I, at the time I felt that I didn't get a fair chance or maybe the odd game, but this guy was top, top, top quality and went on to prove that he was top quality, you know, time and time again. And, you know, I think now I'm a bit older and wiser yeah. I think you all find your, your sort of level eventually. And, you know, I think we could all say how unlucky we were and how things didn't work out. We didn't get a chance. But actually, I've got no real regrets because I ended up playing 500 games, you know, league games, uh, albeit not in the premiership, but then I played a couple at Wembley and, and done things that probably a lot of people didn't think I'd go on to do. Um, yes. And I'm still involved in the game that I love so much now, back at the club I love so much now, I'm really enough. So... I suppose it's all sort of first set out a little bit. Yeah, that's, it's interesting to hear that. I mean, you'll say obviously the first thing, you, first club you joined after leaving Palace was uh, Exeter, and that didn't seem to be the the best of times there. You, yeah, you've gained a couple of red that, cards. <laughs> yeah, that would be my only regret, really, how it finished for me at Palace, uh, because I, all the other guys were told sort of like uh, long before uh, that they wasn't getting kept on with the contract, and I was told literally the Friday before the. The, the Sunday when we played Watford, uh, that final game, and that, that always sat uncomfortably with me uh, and my family. That Not that I was getting released, but the fact that I was not given a fair chance to get a decent club or put myself out there for a decent club. Uh, and I ended up at Exeter, and uh, you know what, it didn't work out too well. I got sent off on a Saturday and then got sent off again on a Tuesday. Um, <laughs> I found myself on a seven-game ban. But it went badly from start to finish for me there, to be honest. So, um... 
Uh, and, and I actually remember ringing up, uh, ringing up my wife, uh, saying, you know, that I'm going to quit because it's just not for me. I don't feel good enough. And 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 her words at that time were, you know, just get upset at home. It's sort of keeping the family going while you're down off playing football for you to quit. And and, and that's why I sort of stuck it out. And uh, it sort of turned 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 full circle eventually. That's mm. nice. But no, Obviously, after that, you, you moved on to somewhere that pretty much you sort of found a home at Northampton. That's where you played the most yeah. games in your career. Is it fair to say that was the best part of your, your whole sort of football? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I can only liken Northampton to Crystal Palace. Uh, and I'm not just saying that to be sort of like uh, sugar-coated and mushy for the, for the fans. But uh, Palace was my home club, you know. People have to realise that I actually was one of the... One of the people when when we played Burnley, fifty-two thousand, you know, back in the day, you know. So I was there as a kid. This was my club, mm. and and I found that love affection with Northampton, uh, and 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 Crystal Palace and Northampton are the first two results I generally look out for every week. Uh, I love Northampton. I would love to go back there uh, in some capacity one day um, because it just is like my second home. And and this Crystal Palace was was sort of like my other sort of dream of always coming back here. So. Uh, you know, it really was a great time for me at Northampton, and I, I loved it there, and the, the people loved me, and it, and it actually was brilliant, you know, and I, you can probably tell that it really was a, a, a fantastic part of my career. Yeah, definitely. I'd say you played like something like 160-odd games over four years. It's a, it's a really good number, and obviously, what what kind of sort of spurred you on to move to, to Brentford, really, um, after, you know, after those four good years? Yeah, well, again, it was... a. Uh, it was a, it was actually a Palace connection, funny enough. Um, John Griffin, uh, the old scout of Palace, and Ron Nodes rung me up uh, and said they wanted to take me to Brentford. And at the time, Brentford, the, Ron was really going for, uh, really going for it at Brentford with the team and that. And he was sort of manager, stroke owner, and it kind of appealed to me. Um, and then when I knew where they trained, which was just down at uh, Godston at the time, a chance again for me to get back home. Um, to, to where, I'm, where I live with my family, so, so I kind of it all appealed to me, and the fact that Ron was really going for it, uh, and and actually we, we we got promoted that year as well, so so it was a, that was a fantastic time, and and, and God rest his soul, you know, I, I'm not just saying it, but I really loved Ron. Uh, he, he was wonderful for me and my family, and I'm not just sort of saying in my football career, but a lot of people won't realise that when my mum was very ill. Uh, and dying, he 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 done something really special for me and my family, which I'll, I'll never forget. And uh, you know that was uh, that's why I've got a, you know real soft spot for Ron. It's, it's always great to hear because obviously, I mean, the fans sort of have a mixed reaction to Ron because of, you know for various reasons. But whenever you talk to anyone who you know genuinely knew the man, they always speak so well about it. Honestly, he, uh, if I told you the story, we'd all be in tears. But he done something for me and my family and my mum when. Poorly ill, uh, uh, that I'll never forget and never be able to thank him enough. And he was a, a real, real lovely man. And I know everyone had this opinion of him in business, I'm sure, and had this opinion, but he was a really, really lovely man. Yeah, amazing. Um, obviously, sort of, if you look back at the end, towards the end of your career, really, um, after Brentford and after sort of that whole experience, you had uh, spells at Colchester and Oxford, and then you sort of went into non-league. Was it hard to remain motivated in those circumstances, sort of playing lower league? And is that sort of when you were looking at coaching, sort of seriously? Um, it, it, it wasn't because uh, anyone that knows, uh, you know, when you're playing lower league football uh, and, and and in the lower leagues, you, you, 
generally you've got a family to su- survive with and, and yeah. feed and, and you've got young children coming up. So, so you know, your win bonus becomes so important and your appearance money becomes so important because, you, you know, you've got a gas bill to pay that you can't afford. And, and, and I'm not sort of playing on heartstrings, but that's the fact of it. And uh, I'm sure a lot of lower league players, will, you know, will, will feel like this. Um, and that was why we led them to the book, really, to sort of give that insight. But um, I never lost my motivation. Uh, but right at the very end, I got an injury uh, um, where I snapped my Achilles. And uh, I wouldn't say the motivation to come back from it wasn't there. I actually started helping out as an assistant manager at the time, and and it just took my focus on getting back playing, um, and then that just really led me to sort of start to do some coaching and being involved in a lot of things. And and ironically, an old player that we played with at Crystal Palace, Gary Thompson, um, he used to always say to me, uh, he used to always say to me uh, years ago that you know when you finish playing, you're going to be a perfect coach, you know the way you are, and, and he's always sort of repeat that to me and. And actually, you know, that's sort of pretty much I've had probably more success as a coach, personally, than I have as a, as a player. It's, it's funny, I was, you pretty much answered exactly what I was going to talk about, the whole actually giving up the game. So I'll throw in a, in a different question in this position, if I may. Uh, Nav got in touch with yeah. us on Twitter early on, and he said, do you remember where your coaching career started in 1990? And he's put Dudes Brown School. Yeah, yeah, well, he said, I'll have a story to that. He might be, the, if, he, if he went to that school, he might be the... The guy that almost put me off coaching for the rest of my life. <laughs> I think I used to coach this little private school down at uh, Nutfield called, I used to call it Dodds Brown, but obviously it's Dudes Brown. Uh, it was a little private school. It was a really pr- um, personal little private uh, school. Not many children. And I was only a young boy, and I think they used to get £25 for doing the coaching down there. They used to race down there. And, and, and when it was... Uh, when, it, when you couldn't go outside, it was hard work coaching all these mad kids in a little hall. <laughs> And then the teachers used to see me and think, oh, I guess I'm doing this right. So I'd always take them outside. And uh, I took them outside one day. And uh, it was a bit snowy. And then the teachers must thought, what are you doing taking them outside? This guy's mad. And uh, then I got a snowball fight going with the kids. And this kid hit me with the biggest snowball from about a yard, flushing the eye. <laughs> and I thought at that point, I don't know if this is for me with these kids. Because <laughs> I, contr- I couldn't control them. So, uh, so if that was the kid, you know, I nearly, I nearly quit, quit from coaching from that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Well, if that was you, Nav, nice one. <laughs> um, obviously, you did, you did decide to, to carry it on, and it was quite a big move from, from Rushton to join Alan Parge at West Ham in, in a coaching capacity. Did it take you much convincing to make that move? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> right, and they offered me the manager's job. Um, <laughs> and there was, two, there was two reasons I didn't take the manager's job. One, because... Uh, my friend was the manager that had just been sacked and there was no way I was ever going to take his job uh, when he was the one that took me there. Uh, and, and the second reason, it was uh, Alan gave me an opportunity to uh, to join a fantastic club like like West Ham. Um, and, it, and it just really gave me a, a... I couldn't... In a weird way, I'm not sure if Alan really realised what he was doing, but he was really giving me a great education because uh, I worked with a guy called Tony Carr, a very respected man. Uh, in the academy systems, bringing players through. And I had a year with Tony, uh, watching Alan, uh, the first team from afar, but working closely with Tony Carr. And in that year, Tony Carr gave me some really good principles and morals and, and some really good basic sort of standards that you have to have as a coach uh, when, when, when delivering to players. And, and, and when it's young players, you have to make sure that they're learning. Um, 
so that was a really brilliant year that I had there that actually then led me on to go with, with the first team when, when Alan come on, sort of got me from there when he, we went to Charlton. And so, I mean, yeah, you, exactly. You followed um, you followed Pardews pretty much the whole time since then. But, I mean, that's, that says you talk about what you learnt from him, but obviously he must have a great belief in your ability as well. What, what makes you work so well together? Um, I think... I think, I think most importantly, um, I think most importantly, we, we've sort of, uh, we, there's no secret we've been friends uh, for, for many, many years. Uh, since I was 15, 16, Alan's been like a friend to me. Uh, and that families are very close. And I think, first and foremost, you know, it's horrible to say, but in this business, you need to have people around that you trust their opinion uh, and trust what they're saying to you. And, and I'm not saying Alan needs that, but, you know, I certainly will always give my opinion, whether it's right or wrong, it'd be an honest one. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think you know, it, it's so hard in this business, you know, to have people around you that you definitely know they're telling you things for the right reasons. Um, and I think we just had that rapport with each other, you know, we, we, we kind of bounce off each other on the training pitch. Um, listen, I don't need to tell you how good he is as a manager. You know, he really is... Uh, I've worked with him long enough to know what he's about. And it's just kind of worked, you know. Um, it works well. I think he trusts me knowing that, you know, doing the goalies is, is the right stuff and, 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 and I get close to the goalies. I've always got close to my goalies because um, it's important again that they trust me when I'm telling them they're doing something wrong or it's not right. But I'm not saying it to just belittle them. I'm actually saying it because I want them to make me better. Um, and, and it's all of that sort of mixing together along with along with the you know that, um, that 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 we've had, you know, and and we we have worked together well, and, it, and it's been a very successful, you know, I don't know how long it's actually been there, but it's been a very successful time we've had together. Mm. Um, and obviously, you you've now left sort of Newcastle for Palace, but that sort of those few years in Newcastle were were pretty mental. What how was the experience for you up there? Obviously, the fans are so passionate, and a, and a lot went on. Yeah, I mean, listen, first and foremost, Newcastle is a fantastic club. Uh, and, and unless you've been there, experienced it, and experienced the city, you know, you really do undervalue it and underestimate it. Fantastic time, you know. I enjoyed every moment of it, you know. The dark days when it was tough, it was a challenge. Um, but the actual place is brilliant. <coughs> the, um, the real plus for me was to, uh, <coughs> excuse me, was to have a young goalkeeper called Tim Krull, who was third choice. And, and again, this comes back to Alan, really, where he trusted my judgment on this on this kid, where I said, look, this kid's going to be the one, trust me. And uh, we worked together closely for five years, and he went from third choice to goalie and ended up being a Dutch international that saved the penalties in the World Cup. So so all of that put together, you know, it, it was a brilliant experience. Um, it really was, uh, and, and they're great supporters, um, but ironically, and, and again, I'm not saying this to try and win sort of hearts and souls, of all the noises up there and the things you hear, they all talk about the Palace supporters, um, yes. and I'm not just saying that, you know, it's kind of because they, because they know I'm from this area, everyone talks to me about the Palace supporters, you know, the group in the corner, the ultras and that, you know, they've become legendary uh, throughout the country, and... Uh, so it just goes to show, you know, maybe people are sort of under, undervaluing what, what support we've got here at Crystal Palace, because on the outside, people are definitely not doing that. Nah, that's really great to hear. I, I mean, I, I suppose I've got to ask you, it's a, I'm not going to lead you into yes. a, sort of difficult areas with this, but I've no, got to ask you about this, the, 
the um, obviously the pressure on the fans was well on on Padre in particular, but um, it, it's difficult. To, you, I've I was up at Newcastle um, this year, obviously, and talking to their fans, uh, you know, ahead of our game with them, and they were all saying quite reasonable things in person. But like, it's almost like the mass hysteria gets to them. And it's, yeah, it's crazy. I don't I don't know whether it's just down. Is it down to just an expectation? Are they being you know reasonable or you know it's, it's a hard uh, one to call? Why were they so? hard on, on Alan Pardew? I think, yeah, I think, uh, this is only my opinion, and then there's nothing to say differently, you know, this is my opinion. I think uh, there's a culmination of a lot of things. I, I think they couldn't vent their anger or get to the owner over some of the decisions he'd done. Uh, and, and again, I, I wouldn't say whether they were right or wrong, because there were some things that the owner did that we knew the right things to do. Um, and there was other things, I'm sure most people would say, why is that happening? But, so they couldn't get to the owner, and I think the only next person they could get to was the manager. Um, and I think it's like everything, you know, once uh, two, three, four, five, six people start start bending their anger, along with a couple of bad results, then other people decide that's the right thing to do. Um, and I don't want to get involved in a, in a sort of a, a kind of wrong ground, but I think that concocted with, you know, some of the press stuff that was that was done up there wasn't right um and i just think it was a a pressure cooker that the only way the the pressure was coming out from the fans was against alan and it was totally unfair really was and i'm not i'm not just saying that and, and I'm, I'm the same as you when i used to go out on the streets and around the town it was really weird because people had come up to me nine out of ten of them because you're saying i think it's really unfair you know the way that people yeah. are talking about the manager so it, it kind of baffled me a little bit that all these people are sort of against the manager in the stadium, but all the people I sort of meet and that come up to me are not against him, so I couldn't really work it out. <laughs> yeah. um, it, uh, it was weird. Um, and I think, I think you know, you could say in a way that they, they hounded the situation and, and created the situation uh, with the time of the Palace for, for Alan to go, but, but let's not forget, you know, after that, John who John Carver, who's a, is a, is a fantastic friend of mine, he injured exactly the same uh, and he is a, a, a Geordie so it doesn't make any sense really and I know results didn't go very well for John at all but it kind of wasn't fair really the way they was handed him because he was left with a team that wasn't strengthened in the general window so I think it's mainly the frustrations that they try and vent to uh, to, to, to the managers that they're, they're venting that the club's not signing like mega players and that and and Listen, that's the way the clubs run, and 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 and, and that's why it's in a healthy financial state. Mm. That's that's a, that's a great answer. I appreciate that. Too. Yeah, um, it's a brilliant club. Let me tell you that it's a brilliant club yeah. of brilliant fans and brilliant people. I have to say, and, I'm, and I generally mean that. Oh, good, yeah, no, it's uh, it's obvious that you've got sort of um, good memories there and, and stuff like that. But obviously now you're back at, uh, as you call home, uh, back at Palace, and you say you haven't had too much time to settle in yet. But obviously you were at Fulham yesterday, and, and you know you saw, you saw the fans there. You were back in the, the Palace training gear. So what was it like? Uh, what's it like being back at Palace? Yeah, it was brilliant. Um, it, it, I can't tell you, it it was really surreal walking across that pitch before kickoff, seeing those fans. And actually, I looked at the fans, uh, and actually I could see some older and bolder faces in there that I knew <laughs> from when I was younger. And I'm sure they was looking at me thinking, I'm sure that's that older, bolder, fatter goalie that we used to have when I was a kid. <laughs> so it's kind of like weird, but, you know, I'm looking at these people, and I can see I've had so many beautiful messages uh, from people from Newcastle since I've left, really beautiful messages, and actually some lovely welcoming messages from the people down here that I haven't seen for many years. 
Um, and it really, you know, it really is home for me. I mean, it's kind of crazy that I've gone full circle uh, in 28 years and I've come back to the club where it all started. So uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really excited about the team and I'm excited I'm excited about the way the way Palace look like they're really going forward. The club, for, you know, for so many years, it's kind of been, you know, two steps forward, one step back and, you know, back in the older years. And now this club really looks like it's got a on a real footing of going forward with, it, with, with you know, Steve in charge and, 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 and Alan in charge as manager. It's fantastic. It's exciting. That's it, yeah. I don't think we're quite sure how to react as fans, to be honest with you. It's cool. It all seems to be going well, a bit too well, but... <laughs> yeah, but I think I'm also the same because, you know, you must, mustn't forget that I'm a fan. Uh, <laughs> it all yeah. sounds weird. Um, and I'm seeing my club, Crystal Palace, signing players like Johan Kabaya and uh, I'm hearing, you know all these names mentioned and I'm thinking how fantastic and how exciting to be a Palace fan yeah, really and is. and I can assure you the players that have come in i.e. like Aaron Kabai and I'm not kidding you he's so excited of this crowd here you know he generally is uh, and I really don't think people understand how respected the fans are respected throughout the country with what they've with the, with the sort of passion they've shown towards their team through good and bad by the way through good and bad definitely well it's it's great to have you back your last question for you i've got to ask you about yeah. your uh, your boy freddie uh great goalkeeper, <laughs> a great reputation he's just gone alone to uh, my hometown cruelly um ah, right. <laughs> starting the season i <laughs> uh, don't want to put any pressure on him but how excited are you seeing making these steps in then you know in becoming a, a yeah. proper goalkeeper I think I think it's no secret that this this you know forget that I'm his dad. This boy's got a real talent, yeah. um, and he's got a real work ethic, which which uh, you know some people can get confused with young players just going out on a pitch and they're all going out for nightclubs, buying fancy cars and all that. This this boy's got everything going on, um, and I'm really excited uh, on a number of levels, and uh, I. I've, I will go on record of saying that I really think uh, he's got every chance going all the way to the very, very top. And what's lovely is that Newcastle, uh, in his own right, highly of him. Um, you know, I'm talking from Mike Ashley right the way down to Steve McLaren and the coaches there. So that's really kind of gives me a nice peace of mind that they, you know, they really think the world of him. But I'm very excited. Uh, and I must go on record. Thank God he doesn't take after me. He takes after his mum, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, we'll, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us, mate. It's been a real pleasure. Pleasure. Yeah. And um, pleasure. Best of luck settling in. And I'm sure we'll. Uh, well, hopefully we'll talk to you again in the future and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, anytime. It'd be an absolute pleasure. I'm really excited about the forthcoming season. Thank you for everything. The all-time Palace 25-man squad. Tweet us your suggestions, and we'll choose in or bin. It is that time, it is that time where we talk about the all-time 25-man squad. Started this feature last week, uh, currently in the squad is Scott Dan, and um, that was a fairly obvious one, and the first few are certainly going to be fairly obvious ins, but uh, we still need you to vote anyway, uh, and the the, uh, the guys on the panel will also have a vote, um, which will be Tav, Albert and Gel today. Um, so we've been looking at strikers, what we did earlier in the week is uh, we went out on Twitter and um, we asked for suggestions for that particular position and the most tweeted answer will go to us to discuss today. Certainly now the most tweeted answer was Ian Wright um, 
And uh, the listeners basically, yeah, you will get a vote. You later on, you tweet at HOL Radio and with then the hashtag in or the hashtag bin and let us know which which of the two options you want. And um, we'll, c- we'll collect the votes and we'll see whether they get in the squad or not. Uh, bin will get chucked out and we move on the following week. So, um, yeah, so if we finish before the end of the season, we'll start looking at start pick- picking a starting 11 from out and all that kind of stuff. Uh, if you do want to have a look at any of the players mentioned today, go to hollradio.net forward slash player DB. Uh, if you have a look in that, it's got pretty much, well, as far as I know, it's every single player to have played for Palace uh, in that list. Well, pretty much anyway. I'm sure there's a, a few exclusions here and there for various reasons. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, Ian Wright's the one we're going to talk about, gents. Um, but I'll, I'm going to mention some suggestions that went in there, particularly because Martin Walsh got in touch earlier on. And I'm going to think I'm going to need you here, Joe. Um Martin has said that he listens to every show we do, but if we don't mention Mike Elwis, then we're over. So we're going to. He says it's the most underrated Palace player ever. Do you remember Mike Elwis? Who? Mike Elwis. Who? Oh damn it, Joe! This is where I need Nick or Patrick or someone else. Well, uh, they're was... older than me. I don't. You need Mike Seven... Elwis. I don't. Seven... I, I Seventy-eight, eighty. He was at Palace. Really. Yeah, oh, I, played... I used to drink a lot back in 1978. <laughs> <laughs> I can't um, What about in 79 and 80? Did you drink a lot then? Yeah, <laughs> I did. No, I did. I that's, got, a, um, that's a shame. Oh, I, um, I, I did obviously did a little bit of research because I, you know, I respect the fact that Martin want, wanted us to uh, to mention him. Um, you know, and he was uh, he was a big player for Doncaster before he joined Palace. But unfortunately, he's one of those whose career was pretty much ended by injury. Um, what, the first game? Got injured, 10 minutes, saw him again. 20 games, 7 goals for Palace. Um, but apparently, um, you know, stats. again, didn't, didn't see him directly myself, but by all accounts, a very, very talented player. Is it, but, um, is it Mike he, Elwis, or is it Mike Elwis? Like, he's Spanish or something. He's, he's not Spanish, no. Mike <laughs> Elwish. No, um, anyway, right, he did get two votes as well, Martin, just to cheer you up on that one. Um, just I mean, let you know the Mike names. Yet? Six. So he's... So he's, he's only um, 66.6% not as good as Ian Wright. Yeah. Or wow. Not. Based on votes on Twitter. Here are some of the other nominations. Adi Ekenbae. Mm, I think people were taking the mic a little bit They there. were definitely uh, favourites. Yeah. yeah. Mark Bright was in there. Dougie Friedman, Glenn Murray, Andy Johnson, the marvellous Matt Jensen. Uh, Dave Swindlehurst made it in there along with Clinton Morrison, Chris Armstrong, Mike Elwes, uh, Kevin Mabbott got a vote, Paul Stewart got a vote, Ian Walsh, Don Rogers... Shevki um, Kuchi got a vote. Uh, Johnny Byrne got just a single vote. Again, I think that's just a evidence of um, of the time that's passed since Johnny Byrne played, because uh, I'm sure there's plenty of people out there who uh, would eulogise about uh, how good Byrne was. Andy Johnson. Um, Johnson was in there. I mentioned him earlier. She how much did. did he get? How votes? much gin? He got four. How much gin have you had, Albert? I've that. had as much as Gel had in 1978. <laughs> okay, good work. I'm sure it's going to be a train wreck by the end of the show. But um, yeah, Danny Butterfield got a vote in there for his hat trick against Wolves, <laughs> and uh, Antonio Pedrosa as well managed to get a vote. So oh plenty God. of you taking this with the kind of seriousness that we wanted. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, we're, we're going to go with a quick discussion about Ian Wright. Obviously, we not well. I don't know. There's there's one person who might vote <laughs> vote him out of the year 25. I think. Um, Actually, I'm going to start with you, Tav, if you're available. Are you there? 
Yeah, I am, yeah. Yeah. Hi, Tav. Um, <laughs> you are a, a youngster, a young slip of the lad. What do you know about Ian Wright? I know his it's... name. I know really? what he looks like. <laughs> you never see him play. You never see him play. Really? I never did, actually, no. Well, there you go. Absolutely not. I just wanted to know. It's a scary, scary thought. Uh, Albert, you would have seen him play, and probably whilst not drinking gin. Um, no, I did. Yeah, I only saw him maybe a handful of times because the yeah the season before he left was my sort of first season that I started going, and I was only about six, so um, wasn't particularly interested in the football. It was all about the burger and chips. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Uh, I was- yeah. Big fan of the video that he released called Do the Right Thing, though. Yes. Anybody else yes. have that? Yeah. I did, yeah. Yep. Oh, one video. Going to see a little, um, I believe it's Sean, yep. playing in a, like a, what, under 10s? I'd, I'd say he was probably about six playing in an under 10s. Yeah. Um, well, that yeah. is under 10, isn't it? So. Yeah, yeah. I've allowed myself really- a good bracket. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd really liked him. And to be honest, it, not even in a Palace shirt, you know, he's still one of my favourite players you know, whoever played in the Premier League. It's just fantastic. He's superb after that. Now, Joe, um, well, certainly we talk about Ian Wright, the player. Does he deserve uh, to be in the 25-man squad for you? Well, firstly, I've, I've only seen Don Rogers on on the, on the video and, and, and whatever. Um, and he was extremely good. I've only, um, and I saw Davis Windlers, who I thought, he, he was, for me, well, he was the first proper striker I ever saw. I, I thought he was, I just thought it was it was absolutely excellent in a in an era where, obviously, um, getting to the ground probably an hour before the game and then twenty minutes after the game finished getting on the booze. Um, I thought he was a fantastic player, but as much as I hate to agree with you, um, Wrighty. I mean, not not only is Wrighty one of the best players for our club I ever saw. I think he's one of the best players I've ever seen. Yeah, um, you know, and and had he come along and. Had he been picked up when he was 14, 15, like Michael Owen, I think he would have been, you know, I think he would just would have ended up going to, going to Italy or Spain and, and, and being, he's just a fantastic player. The best I've seen at our club by a, a country mile. I'll, um, I'll come back to, to just, uh, just finalise, give people a chance to get their tweets in um, and what have you. So I'm just going to take a quick moment to mention that uh, Chris Allen, uh, who's at Chris of Eagles, uh, on Twitter, said Mike Elwes was good, but not as good as Johnny Byrne. Uh, Colin Squires has gone for El- Elwes was a brilliant player until his injury. So, some guys of the correct vintage backing that one up there. Elwes was as a suggestion, and there will be chances, of course, to to vote more stri- uh, strikers into the twenty-five man squad. It's righty we're talking about today. What we got in the chat room, Joe? Um, uh, Brinscore Eagle said just because Johnny Byrne uh, was from a long time ago and people cannot remember him, does not mean he was not one of the best players we ever had. Um, and Lions agreed with that. Um, and then Dwayne said, uh, "The Don genius and Swindles." So um, you know, yeah, he's, he's seventy-four. Uh, Brinscore Eagle. So he said he's seen a few. Yeah, I bet he has. Must be in, in a way. It must, you know, it must be great to see. Oh, well, he has. If he's seventy-four, if he's seventy-four, yeah. he has. But then you'll have to see some <laughs> truly, truly terrible players. He hasn't put those. I need him to put them. I'm still. I'm going to stay in the chat now. So yes. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's an interesting point as well. Like you say, you, just because they were a long time ago doesn't mean you can't pick them. But obviously, you, you, we're asking people who do they think should be in there, and you tend to pick from your, your own knowledge, don't you? I could say Peter Simpson purely on statistics, but 
I simply don't know that. Um, but that, that's the battle for this 25-man squad. And I think when we're done with that as well, that's it will hopefully continue to uh, cause a bit of debate on... What, should, what are we be. doing? Uh, what are we doing? Um, is it twenty-five? Yeah, we're doing twenty-five like, players. So how like many? Ma- how many of each? Well, that is that has been predetermined, but I'm not going <laughs> to announce that on the show. Oh, now. okay, okay. Uh, it's just we're just going to do one per week, and people will get a chance for that position. So so far, Scott Dan is the only one in. We did a first week last week, and he was the, uh, the top voted centre back. We discussed him. We all made a decision, and. Uh, there you go, he's in. So we got, we'll be close, closing in on that decision fairly shortly. So we'll give you all an in or a bin. There's, I think there's a jingle associated with that, that saying, but <laughs> I don't know. Or maybe there is. We'll come, we'll come back to that. But um, I haven't really given my opinion on, on writing. He was my first first proper football hero. He really was. Um, and it's funny that you mentioned that video, Albert, the do the right thing, because I, I loved it. I properly loved that video. I've got this sort of tinge of sadness about it now because I can vividly remember that the words of David Rowcastle in it, who sadly passed away, um, way, way, way too young, and um, he was just he just kept talking and talking and talking about how good right he was and all this kind of stuff. And but you just got to see the whole the whole story, the whole you know he'd been you know by his own admission had, had been a bit wasteful with his ability early. You know, like you say, you can do pick, didn't get picked up at fourteen or fifteen because he simply didn't apply himself and didn't have you know, the, the, the right attitude. And even when he was finally signed by Palace, um, you know, Koppel quite quickly realised he needed a, the experienced head of, of Mark Bright in there to sort him out to a point. Um, but it's just this raw talent. And it's yeah, it's just, he, he was a phenomenon. And I, anyone who didn't actually see him, first of all, didn't see him in a Palace shirt, missed out on, like you say, Joe, probably the best player in a, in a Palace shirt. Lombardo's up there with him, but Wright really was that good. Um but even when he left Palace, like you guys were saying, it was it was superb at Arsenal, an absolute legend at Arsenal, which I hate. <laughs> it, should be, it should be a Palace legend, not Arsenal legend. But even even when he went on and played for like for West Ham, I think he played for Celtic for a little bit as well. Ended up at Burnley. Even in those little spells, you could still see the the gift that he had. Just a, an amazing finisher and, and and just a tremendous footballer. And kissed badges. Yeah, that's that's the one thing against him, and people won't forgive him for it. You know, even in the charity game with uh, the, you know the Jeff Thomas restage in the FA Cup final, he ran the length of the pitch and kissed the Palace badge in front of the Homesdale. But, but he, he's explained he's explained that. Yeah, yes, yeah. You know, he said he he was getting as much grief, you know, prior to kissing the badge, and you know, it's a it's a two way thing, isn't it? You know, if you're going to give it, you got to expect to take it. So. He's well, in my opinion, he's within his rights to go and do that to someone who's been calling him every name under the sun. Yeah, I say it's, well, it's context, isn't it? Again, like you say, if you've got you had your family abused, then it's... exactly. And the other, th- the other thing for me, I know we're not putting people in on you know personality, whatever, but I just think he just seems such a you know, like you say, the do the right thing video and various things throughout throughout history. You know, he just comes across as such a such a genuine you know nice bloke. And I don't know if anyone's seen it. I've put, hopefully put, we'll get a link in the podcast. Um, yeah. There was a there was a program on ITV sixteen, wherever it is, called Ian Wright, nothing to something, and it was he was talking about how he had a, a teacher at school that really got him in line and you know tried to educate him through football and improve his behaviour through football. And he um, he sort of you know he left school and did what he did and went through life and he, he he'd heard that this teacher is dead. 
And um, there's a great clip of he's in, Ian Wright's, I think he's still at Highbury, just looking out over the stand. And this, this teacher, who's now obviously like in his 60s, 70s, whatever, comes out. And Ian Wright's face, just his jaw just drops. And he breaks down in tears because he thought this, t- this, this massive influential character in his past, you know, he thought he was dead and he's, you know, he's telling him how proud he is of him. And I just think he just comes across as such an affable bloke. You know, the whole kiss in the badge thing, for me, I just think it's, it's not even worth mentioning because he's just, you know, you can tell, he, you know, he didn't want you look at the Centenary DVD, didn't even really want to go to Arsenal, was pretending he had a bad knee in his medical and stuff, you know, wasn't really taking it seriously. Um, so I, th- I think there's, a, you know, the people that give him grief, you know, I, I just don't think it's warranted at all. No, I mean, obviously everyone will have their own opinions and experience. Well, they're not allowed it. <laughs> Sorry, forgot you've been drinking gin. Don't don't argue with Albert. Albert. Yeah, you're, you're completely correct. Um, <clears throat> Richard Little has got in touch to say all this talk of greatest strikers and for Palace and no mention of Trevor Aylott. Um It's a name I see repeatedly, not one I experience personally. And I have to say, from what I've uh, been told, I'm quite glad of that. Is he one you remember, Joe? Trevor Aylott? Yeah, big Trev. Yeah, um, just, not really. Just, no, you. I mean, you, <laughs> there are people that just just stick out on stick in your mind about you know if you're asking about who's the best centre forward. I mean, the other thing as well when you you, you said the best player, right? He's not the best player I've ever seen. Play no. for, he's the best positional player I've ever seen up front. Yeah, I think I think you got to put I think you got to put the Italian up there. You know, just he's the best player I've ever seen at Palace. So, um, but yeah, no, right, right, he's very good, and he deserves to he deserves to be put in there. So your vote is for an in? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, no, it's a bit of a no-brainer, this. But Albert, your vote's for an in, yeah? Nah, bin him. <laughs> no, no, in. So in. So in. Uh, Tav, even though you don't know... <laughs> because, I like, because I like the guy, I'm going to say in. <laughs> All right, and it's obviously an in from me. That effectively renders the listener vote uh, not irrelevant, but I'm hoping very much it would be an in anyway. So let me just double-check and... They're all saying in. That's they're all saying in. I've not seen a single bin, and that's shifty sitting. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Well, thank you to everyone for getting in touch on that one today. It was an obvious one, but Ian Wright has now joined the twenty-five man squad um, alongside. Well, not alongside Scott Dan because they'd be playing centre back, wouldn't they? That'd be ridiculous. (laughs) um, In's from the from the uh, from the chat room. Yeah. uh, shifting, shifting, ninety-seven in dweeb in sprout eagle in lions, uh, five fifty in. Um, yeah, so uh, there's there's no bins. This that is I mean, it's good to see because even even last week there were a few bins. Unless anybody's B button isn't working on their keyboard. Nice. It's it's laden with bins, not bins. Okay, so um, what we've got next, you may hear this, if you're, you won't hear this if you're listening live, because we don't do ads on the live show, but there will be ads on the podcast for some people, it's all quite dynamic and weird and I don't really understand it, but um, there'll be a short interlude, <laughs> and then when we come back, we'll be talking about the, uh, the game that was played yesterday, with, which was uh, Fulham 1, Crystal Palace 1. Um, so, here's a bit of silence. I've ruined the ending. All right, good. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. All right, and now we're back after that advert. I hope, I mean, usually we try and claim it was for Vimto. What did you want to advertise this time, Albert? Gin Mare, Barcelona's finest gin. Well, there you go. That's what we'll be sponsored by this week. I'm definitely so, sponsored by it at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to detect it in your I'm voice sponsored voice. off my face. <laughs> so let's talk about the game yesterday I'm, I was there in person as was Tav uh, I believe the other gentlemen were not but we got some plenty of general discussion points to, um, to take from it anyway um, I suppose the, the big news was Spironi being injured and Hennessy starting in goal uh, just to give you a quick summary of the game itself um, well just the goals really uh, quite early on in the game about six minutes in there was um, Ball went to Ross McCormack, he flicked it to one side to Ben Pringle. Defence were a bit slow to get out to him. Drilled it from the edge of the area to Hennessy's right. Hennessy got a hand to it but couldn't stop it and it was 1-0 to Fulham. And it was um, sort of really par for the course and a bit of a sluggish first uh, first half from Palace. Uh, in the second half, very early on, sort of just before the 50-minute mark, I think it was, uh, it was 1-1, there was a corner that came in and a little flick on and then Papa rising like a salmon at the back post and headed it home. Um, and there was no more scoring in that. Plenty of chances. Um, I think it's Andy Lonergan who was in the goal for, for Fulham. Had a, had a couple of absolutely blinding saves. Um, um, Albert's pointed out I went a bit rested there. Sorry about that. It happens every now and then. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I summarised the game. It was it was a difficult watch in the first half. It really was. Um, people were quite rightly getting a bit impatient with the way that we were playing and quite slow and then very dominant really in the second half and the big difference was pace it was Zaha in particular um, just just really did make the difference out and you know, coming in and just taking people on and creating some kind of excitement and um, I say the general reaction from fans was pretty much it was quite negative about the friendly as a whole but you know friendlies are like that they, they really are and um, so uh, let's, we talked about him last week guys and you know, I wasn't expecting him to start again, but Wayne Hennessy gets the nod ahead of um, Alex McCarthy. Do we think this is now definitely? It's got. It's, you can't. We can't be selling Hennessy um, if if we're starting him. You know, game after game, really, can we? Surely. So he's, is he is he now the number one direct Joe? I hope so. I you know I do, I, and as much as you know, people would castigate me for it. I, I don't really care, but you know, if uh, I think Jules goes down to number three. For me, you know, we, we big goalkeeper, you know, big young goalkeepers. Well, saying Ennis, he's not that young, but he hasn't done anything wrong, and I'm glad. Um, I'm glad he's he looks like he's staying. You know, it's a good turning. So, I'm I'm hoping that that if we were going to lose players, we'd have lost them by now. Um, but seeing as that is this not very long to go, it does seem unless we get ridiculous offers coming in, that our squad seems to be intact, and uh, and maybe we would just be adding to it. A, a, a few a few players more just before the end, but um, you know I, I, I'm pleased that he's staying. I, I get confidence in him. I get confidence in his kicking, you know. And, and, and as we said this time, you know, well, last year, um, 
when he kicks the ball, he, you know, invariably it lands in the in the two thirds of the way down the pitch, which puts the opposition on the back foot instead of you know instead of a instead of it coming straight back at us. If it does, he's got to come back from seventy, eighty yards instead of. 50 yards, so yeah, I'm, I'm pleased. If I, if that's how it stays, I'm, it's, I'm, it's, I'm how, it's, uh, it's certainly how it's looking, isn't it? I, I don't, again, I don't want this being a pre season friendly. We've talked about a lot of these topics last week, so I don't want to talk too much about the Fulham game. I know Kevin Charles has got in touch and pointed out he was he was actually at the game via the medium of uh, Periscope, which is a little uh, streaming video thing, um, and then a steward stopped it. The stewards were really weird at the game yesterday, they were kicking Palace fans out uh, if they were standing on chairs. Uh, that was apparently a, a Something to kick fans out for. Maybe they don't want their chairs broken. I'm just saying. <laughs> Basically, the chairs. Yeah. Any, well. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Okay. No. 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 Okay. Cool. Next. All right. Yeah. Next. <laughs> that's, that's on, on chairs. Sorry, Tev. I just on. What happens to Come your? What happens to your chair? What happens to my chair? <laughs> Anyone following uh, Homestead Radio on Twitter yesterday? would have seen uh, my bearded face <laughs> looking very angry uh, at the fact that I um I tell you it's quite weird I, if the guy's listening I, I this is I'm not trying to insult you in any way it was just it was just a really odd experience I was you know where I was for the first half went down to get a drink at half time and have a chat with a few people came back for the second half and just directly in my seat and I was it wasn't a packed row there was a lot of space in and around the area but directly in my seat was a, an incredibly tall old man <laughs> who was effectively motionless. Um, and I was like, at first I thought, am I the only one that can see him? <laughs> because it was like, I don't know, I thought he might be deaf or something. Um, I was, it was quite worrying, but like, yeah. And then um, the weirdest thing was, like, I, just, I, I just had to accept that he was there and he, he didn't, you know, there was no singing, there was uh, not really any cheering or anything like that from him. He, he didn't really move. And, you know, these things happen. I accepted it. And then, it's weird that after the game, walking out of the ground, there's just a sea of people <laughs> just over the road, directly in my vision, staring straight at me. Is this guy again? <laughs> and I was just like, right, you can all see that. You can all see that man, right? Just had to check again. But very odd. Very, very, very odd. Does anyone, um, anyway. know, what, does anyone know actually what happened to Terence? Because we haven't heard from him since. Um, I, I, yeah, like you said earlier, off, off air, he could well have been put in prison by the yeah. stewards. <laughs> the periscoping. Yeah. Or they've tied him um, to that Michael Jackson statue. Is it still there? <laughs> I don't think it is, actually. I didn't see it. I think they finally got it. No, no, that, that, went, that went. Did he take, when he sold the club, did he take it with him? No, the, the new guy got rid of it. Oh, did he? Yeah. Where is yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> Who knows, eh? Who knows where it is? Um, <laughs> I was, I was um, back, back to the game. I was looking at the back four again. You'd think it just try to ignore the dogs barking in the background. I'm trying to. Um, the um, the back four again. That's you're pretty much looking at the back four that's going to start the season, and um, that I don't know if that worries me or not really. But it kind of got me to the point. I want I want to know from you guys if you were picking the team for Norwich today, would you start with Damien Delaney alongside Scott Dan or Breda Hangland? I'll ask you first, Albert. Uh, oh God! I mean, this is the point of the question isn't it it's meant to be hard yes that is it yeah uh, <laughs> i'd probably go delaney <gasps> just because i like him more <laughs> <laughs> just because he's a more handsome face you're gonna go for delaney does does it change if i was to tell you that Breda hangland's a very nice chap as well no listen this isn't a a slight on Breda. i just think delaney um 
Delaney and Dan, are, you know, they they can fall back on having played a lot more together than Dan and, and Hangerland. I'm reverting to type. Is probably what I'm saying. All right, oh, yes. I'll revert to some type in the chat room. Um, Lions, oh, hey. Lions five fifty breed. Uh, Rossi seven million something Hangerland. Uh, Sprout Eagle would um, breed for him. Brinscore Eagle breed. Um, yeah, and, and me, and me as well. So, um, um, and then Rocket Boy says um, Delaney only because he has the speed that, well, I don't know about that, but um, the, the speed that Breed lacks. Or Delaney hasn't he's, got any speed. My dining he's, room he's, table's got the speed. <laughs> King, King B. Lacks, but yeah. I'm not going to start him. King B uh. said Breed too. So, really, we're, we're the. Um, well, Delaney's been sacked. So. Interesting. Well, we haven't all voted yet, have we? <gasps> Bane Eagle said Delaney. Tav? Delaney. Delaney Holly. for you? No. Okay. Um, I've, I've decided I've got a deciding vote. <laughs> I don't actually, I don't want um, It's 7-2 and you've got a deciding vote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Next goal wins. Next goal wins. Um... I don't actually know. I've asked the question and I don't oh, really know. Oh, you the built answer. it up. Yeah, I did. Um, I, th- I think personally I'd go Hangland at the moment. And I know that's going to probably upset some people, isn't it? But <laughs> it's just, um, I think he just looked class at the end of last season. And um, I think we look a calmer um, team with him in there. He's, he's, you know, he's very good on the ball. I think you know, he's much more likely to play the ball out of defence and stuff like that. So that's, that's where I'd go at the moment. Who are Norwich? Who, who do we think Norwich are going to start up front? Uh, I don't know I, if Jerome's going to be fit. Um, in that case, I'd start the dining room table. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant, thank you. <laughs> um, to pick up on a few messages, um, we're talking back, going back to um, Hennessy, um, East East London Eagle, Doug Tibbetts has got in touch and mentioned the, that there was a um, Hennessy got away with a handball just outside the area, which is quite a way, way outside the area. The ref. Um, the ref was very generous in giving him a free kick, I think, for the challenge from the um, from the Fulham forward. I don't think it was, I don't know who it was, but yeah, anyway, yeah, um, got away with one there, definitely. Um, uh, Daily, who's D-Lama boy on Twitter, got in touch and said, um, "Are we going to see, you know, three three goalkeepers in the twenty-five man squad?" Um, I think you usually get them, but I've always thought that the third is usually a um, an under twenty-one keeper, so. Um, I'll be surprised if we get three senior keepers in there. That's what I thought, yeah. I, I was yeah. thinking that. Um, Palace Rivers just chucks up uh, a link and he says that the Michael Jackson statue moves to the National Football Museum. Why would that? What? But that is, what? it's nothing to do with football. It's to do with the insane man who owned Fulham. Exactly. Which is I'm, actually, I'm, I'm actually going to go and have a look and see if it is actually there. Are you? Uh, good man. What, now? or? No, not now. Uh, definitely oh, not now. So no. you- Producing a show and <laughs> convenient. Um, um, who else is that? Steve Carter got in touch and said Jules is number three. No way. Haven't seen McCarthy yet, apart from the stake in South Africa. How can you suggest Jules is a number three? Um, well, personally, I don't think Jules is number three, but that is a suggestion from the from the panel. By all means, disagree with it. That's that's why it's all here. I, that, I mean, that, that yeah. fake hand's got to go against him, hasn't it? Yeah, exactly. He's going out <laughs> trying to trying to keep hold of the fake hand. Who did you say it was who like? Was, who's the... F- who's the... F- uh, Chubbs Peterson out. from Happy Gilmore. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, we'll have to put a picture now on the ACAST version of this podcast of Chubbs Peterson, the um, 
the coach from Happy Gilmore, aka called. Apollo That's Creed, Carl Weathers. Yes, Carl Weathers. Yeah. Um, yeah, one of rest in peace. Yeah, he's not dead. Why does everyone think he's dead? Well, when he dies, rest in peace. Right, exactly. Can I can I just just add a tiny bit? I think I've got a little bit of crap from the chat uh, from the the chat room. Uh, Shifty ninety seven yeah. says Damo's more organised than Breed, and Dweeb agreed with him. And I don't think I, I completely go against that because whenever Breed gets the ball, he looks so so much more composed. And the other thing is as well is when he gets the ball, he gives it to one of our players. He doesn't do them poncy fifty yard balls. Which did he do that yesterday? I'm sure I saw something on Twitter about it yesterday. Yeah, he was. He was yeah, he did. And we don't. We can't do that. We can't do that. So for that, uh, reason, Daly's gone with Delaney. Reggie Blitz has said similar to that. Hangdon as the start can't be having hoof Delaney. Richard Harvey's gone for D and D, which is uh, Dan and Delaney. Um, there, there you go. Um, here we go. And Deborah Jay has also gone with. Well, she's gone with Dan and Hangeland. So interesting stuff. There's the, it, I thought it was going to be a question that would um, split opinion, and it seems to be that way. Are we um, concerned that the, another centre half hasn't come in, or is yes. that am yes, I about definitely. to ruin a bit of the parish interview? I don't know. I haven't um, is there going to be a? Do you know what I, I mean? I think I think we'll, we'll. Yeah, the suggestion is we're certainly looking in that direction, but I think. Well, well, we'll let you hear. We'll do, we'll do the parish interview next. Um, this is very exciting. Yeah. Are we taking this on the end, or is it being tagged into the podcast, or is it going out live and then we leave them? Wait, what? <laughs> Are you asking me a random question that didn't make much sense? <laughs> about he's like, I, th- I think, I think what he's trying to ask is whether the, yeah. the, whether the parish interview is being included in the show, or t- tagged onto the end, or tagged onto the podcast. We're, we're, we're back after the parish interview. Okay. Does that help? Yeah, in full effect. There were a couple of things I did want to discuss before we did it. Sorry if people was immediately started, but it's only been a couple of minutes. Uh, we've talked about Hennessy, we've talked about the back four. I was going to mention Murray, but um, I think that would be a, a debate for another day. We certainly talked about him last week. Uh, a little bit wayward on his finishing, let's just say that. Looked quite sharp. Uh, Chong Yong Lee did struggle to get into the game. Be interesting to see where he fits in. We had a decent atmosphere, nice turnout from the Palace support. Sort of very much felt like everyone's ready for the season to start now. Uh, Kabai was the one I wanted to talk about. Um, got a knock during the course of the game, which uh, which is a is a factor, of course. Um, but Tav, you were there. Um, what what did you think of his his, his first? Well, his forty five minutes. It wasn't too bad of a game, to be honest. Um, I thought he had a good game. His passing wasn't too bad, and I think it's shown a lot of promise, to be honest. Um, no. Rhyme intended at all there. Yeah, but you um, didn't. <laughs> Carry it on. That's, can you um, drop a beat? See, see if you could do any more. We'll drop a beat under it. And, yeah. <laughs> um, you've got to add that to the pod. Uh, you've got a link about that. I don't know. Anyway, I'll stop. Ooh. I lost my words now. Yeah, so you were talking about, you, well, you were impressed with Kabai. Um, obviously, he, like I say, he did get injured. He had a couple of long range shots, that kind of stuff. But do you think he still, he still seems to be settling in to me, I think? Well, it will take time for him to settle in because he's been playing in France for, what was it, a couple of years now. And it, it, it's quite a different game because we've seen how it t- it's taken Soiree to get used to the game. And I think even though Kabai has played in the Premier League before, it's going to take some time again. But at, in, playing so far, he hasn't done too badly. I think as soon as the Premier League starts next weekend, he's going to show a lot more promise, to be honest. And... I think it's going to be an interesting season, to be quite fair. No, no, that rhymed again. That was good. Anyway, I want to start a rap. I want to start rapping. Anyway, that was all I wanted to mention. Let's get straight into uh, a chat with Steve Parrish. 
It's less than a, a week until the season opener away at Norwich. All the fans are excited. Uh, how are you feeling over the uh, in terms of the club's work over the summer? Yeah, good so far, I think. Um, just think that we've um, got one or two little bits that we want to do still. A bit of housekeeping on the squad. Um, we've got some inquiries on one or two players as well. I think obviously one or two leaving. Um, not either going out on loan or, or permanence. So we've still got some work to do, but um, I think we're in pretty good shape. I think we've made ourselves, uh, from a personnel point of view, we've strengthened ourselves. I think we've now got to make sure it gels into uh, a team and, and, you know, we get the results at the back of it. Good. Uh, obviously, the son, Johan Kabai, has been the, the headline in terms of transfer. Um, and you've spoken in the press about the deal before, suggesting Alan Pardew was or key in getting him in. Was there ever a time where you feared that that deal wouldn't go through, wouldn't be done? Um... Uh, Probably not really, after a certain point where, you know, it seemed clear that, that, that the player was interested to come and, um, you know, the deal was a, a doable deal. There were some complications with it. Being an international deal was a little bit tricky, but, um, you know, we, you know we, we were pretty confident. So um, I suppose we're always worried with a player of that calibre that somebody um, is going to come in at the last minute and upset the after cart, but... Um, yeah, it's very very nervous times we kept getting the press rumouring that, you know, Arsenal were gonna step in or, or whatever. But it's just a mark of how far we've come, I think, as a club obviously that that, that Kabai was happy to join us. And like you say, said in your previous interviews, Pardew absolutely key and clearly an inspiring man. But a lot of the other talk from the fans over the summer has been about getting in a striker. Uh, Patrick Bamford's one we've brought in. Um, very exciting championship player of the year. You know, great finishing finishing ability all round game. How do you feel about the fact that it's a loan though? Is that something that you were happy to do in the end? Yeah, I think that you know you're allowed two loans, and I think that wherever possible, you'd be silly not to use them. Really, if, if, if they're the right quality, there's always the argument that you're developing a player for another team and all that kind of stuff. But um, you know, that's. Um, yeah, I think it's just one of those things where you take a player on, you get him for a year, it works out in that, you know, you improve your performance in the league, you're standing as a club, um, and who knows what happens at the end of that loan, you never know, do you? You know, whether the the, the club that you've lent them to, whether there's a deal to be done, you know, there's nothing um, preordained, but there's always that chance. There's always a chance that, you know, he goes back and plays for the club that lent him to him, so I don't think it's clubs in our position and our situation I don't think it's a bad thing to do if you remember Shamak kind of came on that basis at the beginning yeah. um, and then he stayed on so you know it's, it's, I think it's a good, good way of getting to see a player and helping the player develop and then soon at the end of it you know the land lies So has there been a discussion with Chelsea about that was that something that was, was talked about is there a potential for him to, to stay permanent at the end No No okay. it's just a low but, you know, there's, there's always a potential, isn't there, to, to you know, buy somebody or for you not to be able to buy them. You know, it, it isn't necessarily a foregone conclusion that you're developing a player for somebody else. Yeah. You might be putting the price up, I guess, if, if they do very well. You might be putting them out of your own reach. But I don't think it's a it's a bad strategy when, when you're us right now, especially if we're still buying young, talented players, which, which we are, you know... Um, Papa Suarez done really well in pre-season. Scored the goal yesterday. Um, I think, you know, we've got 
one or two others that we're working on of the right kind of age um, and profile for the football club for the long-term futures of football clubs. So if we complement that with some loans every now and again, I think it's simple, really. Okay, and the striker search obviously sort of does appear to be one of the toughest areas, you know, in terms of getting players in. You're looking at previous windows. The manager's gone on the record regarding uh, Connor Wickham and the desire to bring him in. Obviously, still currently a Sunderland player. Are you hopeful on that one going through? Well, we're trying to do a deal there, and, and you know, let's let's hope that we can get that one done. You know, he's he's a, he's a player that's the right age and profile and fit for us, I think. So somebody that, that we've looked at quite a lot over the last few years. So, yeah, we, we, you know, it'd be one that we would like to do, but he, as you said, he's still a Sunderland player, so um, let's see if we, can, if we can get someone with it. Yeah, terrific, terrific player if we can get that one. Really, really excited about the potential there. Um, from comments you made back on uh, on TalkSport a few weeks back, yeah, the suggestion that is, let's say, after Wickham, if Wickham was to sign or whoever signs, that you would, there would be one more transfer. Is that still the case, or has Pardew managed to twist your arm or maybe a couple more? Well, I think um, we've got to see what we do striker-wise and then have a little pause um, and just work out that there'll be at least one more. I'm pretty sure, um, maybe two, depends, depends on, you know, players going out as well, obviously we've got to balance the books, um, it's important to us, to football clubs, to the long term sustainability, so, and we've got to keep happy ship, you know, you've got to make sure that the players you've got a good chance of playing, so, um, there definitely, you know, needs to be some outs as well as some ins. Okay, sure. Um, and obviously a lot of the focus in terms of fans looking at transfers, it's obviously on players coming in. Um, as Alan Pardew said, and as you said at the top of this, this interview, uh, fringe players are, are going to have to move out, and, and there probably will be some, some outgoings as well. So should we expect some movement there in the, in the next sort of week or, you know, f- until the... Well, I guess the next week, really, is it? Yeah, I mean, you know, we'd like I mean. to get, you know, players that, that obviously are going to go out, you know, we'd like to get them out and settle for them, for us, for everybody as soon as possible. So there's work being done on that as well, absolutely. But yeah, you can't say when. It's not. I can. I can. You can slightly decide when you want to buy somebody. It's more difficult, you know. Other people decide when they want to buy somebody yeah, or loan yeah. somebody. Really. Yeah. Um, I, on that subject, I guess you sort of scanning the forums as to what people are talking about. People still talking about Yannick. You were very sort of clear on that before. There've been no firm bids or anything like that. But it seems fans are still a bit worried. Any further reassurance for them all? Um, it's certainly the same situation, you know, as far as I'm concerned, then it'll be a Crystal Palace player, I think as far as I'm concerned, it'll be a Crystal Palace player, so, um, you know, we've got a situation there where certain people are trying to destabilise him, and that's what happens, unfortunately, in football. Yeah. You know, I think the best place for him right now is at Crystal Palace. But, you know, uh, we've made that position quite clear, um, so... You know, we'll see what unfolds in the coming months, but we're, we're convinced that we're just a Palace player coming into August. Okay, That's good. Um, now, the attitude to, towards Palace in the media, I think it's noticeably changed sort of from that first Premier League season and going through. I'm sure you've noticed it as well, sort of in terms of, of the media looking at Palace. Uh, there's been more links with players and, and very little talk of relegation. How do you find that? Is that sort of a, a pleasing thing, or how do you feel? It's pleasing, but I just, you know, as long as they are not, don't get carried away with it, you know. Yeah. We need to, um, you know, I don't want, every game's difficult in the Premier League and we're going into it with a slightly different 
sides, you know, probably I'm sure we'll have a slightly different kind of approach. Um, and there's a lot of good sides, and everybody's fighting for their life from, you know, the first whistle of the first game. So, you know, we can't get too despondent if we lose a couple, you know. We're not going to go out and suddenly start beating everybody. You know, it's just not the Premier League. Hopefully, we can get off to a much better start, though. You know, we haven't had a great start on a both seasons, really. That's would be nice to get into, into our stride a little bit quicker. And obviously, we are being positive and looking at the league. You know, we invested a lot of money between the end of the last transfer we know in August, January, and this one. You know, we're definitely improving the quality of what we've got. But with that comes the need to kind of play slightly differently. And obviously, you've got to get everybody to gel together, and that might take a little bit of time for people to come in and settle down and understand their teammates and all that kind of thing. And then we're starting to see it in a little bit. You know, at the end of last season, when he came in, it was probably a little bit difficult for him at first, but he seems to have found his feet, and he's certainly looking, you know, the part in pre-season. So I think everybody needs to have a little bit of patience with the players that come in. You know, give them a lot of palace encouragement. Don't get on their backs if things don't go perfectly well right from the get-go. Um, and just make sure that we, you know, we remember where we've come from and where we're trying to go to in the long term. And, and we don't get carried away. As on the, on the subject of Suarez, it's really nice that uh, both him and, and Jordan Much as well too, who didn't, you know, didn't really get a lot of game time and you know, and seemed to sort of struggle with it in for a while. They've both been superb pre-season, and it's it's, a, you know, it's really tough to pick a team at the moment. I have to say, but obviously squad game and all that. But um, if I sort of move away from the team now, just we sort of bring this to a, to a close, really. Um, I've been asked, I can't name check the guy, I didn't write it down, but um, asked to talk about the academy. Now, I've read a bit about that on, um, you know, on the BBS and what have you. Uh, there's issues around the training ground linked to space and that the under-18s have been training uh, on goals. What's, what's the sort of future for the academy? What, what's going to be done there? Yeah, let's get some perspective. I mean, if we go to goals, we're not training on goals, soccer centre. It just happens to be um, some pitches that are next to goals, soccer centre. You know, we're our own... We have nothing to do with the Gold Soccer Centre, you know, it's just that we just, the site is a kind of shared site, if you like. Okay. So we need to get that in perspective. It's a very nice training ground that is opposite the one we've currently got. Um, and long term, it's not ideal. The academy had a bit of a rough ride over all the improvements and all the things we're trying to do to the first team. The training ground we've got currently that we own just isn't big enough to be an academy training ground and a proper Premier League first team training ground. So we spent a lot of money on the medical area, we spent a lot of money on the pavilion, we've moved all the offices into the main pavilion so that Alan and his team can be near the players on a daily basis, all good stuff. Yeah. But it's meant that we've had to move the academy out completely. Um, and what we really need to do is find somewhere for them permanently. Unfortunately, um, every time we approach somebody uh, in the area, you know, everybody's got stars in their eyes about, you know, what money they can get for the land or not just linked to us being a Premier League club, but everybody thinks at some point they might get playing for the Shabbat and whatever. So we need to find the right site, the right price. We're not really held to ransom by people that own bits of land. Um, but we need to find the right solution for the academy long term because right now, in many, many, many ways, it isn't where I want it to be. And um, it's a big piece of work we've got to do in the background. Luckily, we've got great people in there uh, that are, you know, carrying on, doing well. We've got great prospects. Um, but, we, you know, we've got this year of kind of being a bit twixt in between to make it much, much better. 
Yeah. And that's the aim. We're working hard on that. It's not easy because, as I said, land is difficult to come by. But we've got to find the right solution for that long term because it's too much a part of what we are um, for it not to continue to grow. Um, and what we had wasn't acceptable. Frankly, what we'll have this year, we'll actually be better. We'll have more space of their own, more pitches. Um, it'll be a better facility, but it's still not good enough for me. Yeah. Um, and, and that's something that we're going to be working on a lot this year. Okay, great stuff. Um, and in terms of the stadium as well, I know it's something we've spoken to you sort of quite a bit about in the past, and we heard your initial plans for the stadium. Is there any further news on that? Has anything happened this summer that you know that's, that's worth talking uh, about? Yeah, well, the architects that we've got that are working on the sort of master plan are in my inbox, desperate to get together with me and, and, and have an update. Right. Unfortunately, it's just been a hectic summer, one thing or another. Uh, but they're working away in the background. You know, it probably doesn't cost us more than a week couple of weeks so I'll be sitting down with them uh, next week hopefully and um, you know it's like summer holidays they've had holidays I've had holidays etc um, but we're getting somewhere with it yeah we're very keen very enthusiastic we've got a good scheme be interested to see what they come back with and where we are in their view and what we need to do so uh, it's, it's all progressing in the background definitely brilliant that's great to hear and finally congratulations on turning 50 um <laughs> you know yeah. sure, sure you've had an enjoyable <laughs> time with that well uh, we'll just gloss over the age the number you, you know you look younger than i do just a 50. number boys isn't it? <laughs> just a number yeah <laughs> so, so uh, yeah thanks for that i appreciate that i had a very good um a very good um evening on my 50th uh, on my actual 50th I had a lot of old friends there and people on football and everything it's fantastic right so uh it was, it was a good thing to do I don't want to go over. You mentioned on, on talk to people. What's your? What's your? Oh. <laughs> what was your? What was your, uh, your favourite present you got then? Um, I actually got a signed uh, Yellow Brick Road record cover to me from Elton John, which was quite good. Oh wow! Um, so uh, yeah, I've got a couple of um, couple of nice bits like that. Some special stuff from. Uh, I'm a big Billy Bragg fan as well. Billy Bragg signed some stuff for me and sent it over as well. So. Um, got some really nice things. Lovely. I've right mentioned probably somebody's going to sit there. So, uh, what about what I got you? But, um, <laughs> I, I've got so many. I've got some fantastic things from from so many people. Really nice, kind things. So uh, very, very happy. Great stuff. Well, thanks for joining us, Steve. Really appreciate you taking the time. And um, we'll uh, we'll catch up with you again soon. Got something you'd like to get off your chest? Tweet us now at Whole Radio. Well, I very much hope you enjoyed that. We seem to have lost Joe. We'll be trying to get him back. Um, been having some computer problems. I think those have um, finally got the better of him, which is annoying because I really sort of wanted him for this bit. Just trying to digest what we've heard there. Gentlemen, so it would be uh, you, Tav, and you, Albert, who helped me do this. Hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. We're getting towards the end of the show, and you are still ginning it. So. No, I'm, I'm finished. I'm all right. Yeah, you're all right. You're okay. Yeah. So you heard a few things there. We'll talk. There's a few people picking up the comments already. A few people have picked up on the uh, the Blassie stuff. We'll come to that in a second. But first of all, let's talk about Connor Wickham. Obviously, the, um, there's plenty been in the press about it. Confirmation from there is someone we're very much trying to get. Um, at the time of um, conversation, he is still a, a Sunderland player. Um, is he one you uh, know much about, Albert? Um, yeah, well, yeah, I know. Well, I think I know as much as the next next person about him. But like the next person I think you tend to associate him with the um, with the off-field antics rather than necessarily the on-field antics I know obviously he came in and returned from Sheffield Wednesday his loan at Sheffield Wednesday and essentially 
kept Sunderland up. So you can't yeah. ignore that. And he, he's clearly a talented player. Anybody that gets picked up at that age for that amount of money has to have a certain amount of talent and potential. Um, but you can't, you know, you can't help but you know, look at the stigma that comes with a player like that and re- read all those reports. And there's, there's a load of Sunderland blogs at the moment saying how he's, you know, the problem with Connor Wickham is Connor Wickham. And you just hope that if we're going to spend that amount of money on him, you know, you hope that we can, you know, get that out of him because he is only 22. And I think a lot of people forget that he's only 22 and he's, you know, he's still got to fulfill his potential. So if he does that here, then we'll be laughing. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's definitely the case. And I say, I read the, um, uh, the secret footballer did a, a really good article on uh, Connor Wickham in the last sort of few days um, about the potential move to, to Palace. And um, he, he was saying that, you know, from within the game, people are saying that, you know, yeah, he's in, he's in the wrong place with the wrong people doing the wrong things. And that's why... It's a rotten club. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah, it yeah. is. It is. And Barry Glendenning on uh, Football Weekly often says that. And he's a Sunderland fan. You know, they just seem to have a real culture. I think it's because it's probably a shit isn't it? Let's face it. And the players... Okay. No one's listening from Sunderland, let's be honest. Um, and, you know, pl- you know, players have got the money to to entertain themselves, haven't they? So, I don't know. Hopefully he can sort it out here if he comes. Yeah. Um, we'll see. I mean, let's say the positives are that you, you would think, you know, we know it's a positive and challenged, challenging environment at Palace in that everyone's together. You, you know, you, you either fit in or you're, you're gone, basically. Um, you know, and everyone's... Sort of working to get better, and one of the things that was pointed out in this this article by the the secret footballer was that there's no room for people to be to think they're bigger than Alan Pardew in a club that Alan Pardew is managing. You know that's his reputation, and it's and I think you know he says those are all the sort of reasons why it would be a great move, um, and I think it would as well. You look at the players we've brought in who seemed a little bit lost elsewhere, and Shamak's one you immediately think about. That you know he was essentially just, you know, a laughing stock. And Palace, he's one of the best players. He's he's you know he's a top top player. Uh, Albert, I'll come to you first, then go back to Tav, shall we? Yeah, I was just going to say, would you rather sign a 22 year old Connor Wickham for eight nine, or would you rather sign a, a 26 year old Charlie Austin for 15? Well, it, I would so much more rather sign Conor Wickham, not just because of the age, not anything like that. It's just, it's just, I know Austin did it, didn't he? he? He, you know, he got the goals at Premier League level. It, it was, you know, you could almost say, um, you know, you can almost say that he, he's more proven than Wickham. But I just, I think Wickham's just got so much more potential. I really do. I think there's just there's something there in terms of a, a top quality footballer. And I said this. I can't remember who I was talking to now, but I, I, I genuinely, when he was coming through uh, Ipswich and started playing some games at sort of 16, 17, the sort of physicality and the way he played just remind me of Shearer. And and I, if he can get to anything like that kind of a level, you know, then we're, we're getting a bargain almost no matter what we pay. So that's that's where I am with it. Uh, what, do you, what do you think, Tav? Well, I think the fee being discussed, there's a particular fee which is being discussed, and I think... At the moment, in the place that we are, spending the money that we are, definitely so far in his transfer window, definitely with Kabaye, I think if we're going to spend that amount of money, Steve Parrish wouldn't be satisfied in bringing those players in if we didn't scalp the players significantly enough. 
I think at any level, it's important to scout, in particularly in the Premier League, because you are going to have players which are going to fail. You're going to have some players that will succeed. If a club like us, who's had our financial difficulties in the past, um, are going to spend big money on players, with this deal being fairly particularly big for what we are, um, and considering past transfers and pretty much transfer records, I mean, it's not this one isn't, but it's it's just underneath it, so we've add-ons. So, but having a look at it, if we're going to spend money on Connor Wickham, and it's going to be quite a significant fee, there is going to be some scouting into it, and he's going to be a player that will suit our side, suit the way we play, and also the way that Alan Pardew manages, because he won't want a player just to sit around his team. He's going to want a player that will go straight into his team, who's going to bring performances straight away, and is going to see him in a good straight fight as well. And also on the topic of Alan Pardew as well, I think if that any manager is going to bring something into a player, it's going to be him. Because have a look at the time when he joined the club. Not all of our players were performing at the best. Zaha wasn't really back to where he should have been since he left, since he joined back from United. He was still a little bit shady from when Neil Warnock was uh, managing. But I think when Pardew arrived, Zaha changed his game pretty much. I think a couple, a few weeks after he joined, he started to get back into what we used to know him as. And I think that's yeah. the most important thing. We've got a manager that brings the best out of players. And being the team that we are, we're not the team that anyone expects to do massive things. Or doesn't we're starting to go into that area of not being relegated. Well, what we've yeah. got to do is we've got to push on now. And what, the only way you're going to do that is by blossoming players. And I think we've got a man that's going to do that. Yeah, no, I, com- I completely agree. I think, again, it's, it's a lot of it's just confidence. And, and you see that with so many players, that just giving them the belief in themselves to go out and perform is, is what it's all about. And um, Wickham, you know, he, he needs to be focused on football as well. That seems to be the, the general consensus of, of those that know him um, within the game. Um, yeah, like you say it, well, I'll let you say it, Albert. Well, I just think also people look at the stats and... And see, oh, you know, he hasn't scored a great amount of goals at Sunderland, but you know, a lot of people forget he was often played out wide, and you know, that's that's a that's an art playing out wide, and you're not, you know, not going to shine. He's a striker. You know, you look at okay, he's at Championship, but when he went to Sheffield Wednesday on loan, he played 17 times and scored nine goals. You know, that's a goal every other game, and that's why they brought him back. And then he went on to score, I think it was like six goals in a handful of games that you know, re- you know, really saved their season. So. Yeah. The, the potential is there. We've, we've just got to fulfil it, and you know it's a lot of money potentially. But you know what? If, again, how many twenty-two-year-old English strikers with you're right limited Premier League experience can you get for nine million pounds? You know, I, I think. I mean, that that question you could just extend that to to how many strikers can you get with proven records for any kind of reasonable money? It, it's it's an incredible thing. You every every transfer window, you just look up and down the. The country, all the clubs in the Premier League, trying to you know if they're trying to get forwards in, you know if you've got a forward who scores goals, you don't want to lose him. So it's like it, it seems to be like the hardest thing to do. It's why people Sunderland went out and spent the money on Jermaine Defoe um, last season, and the bowler account spent insane money for the you know for his age and was that fourteen, fifteen, something like that. Uh, I, I don't I think it was like eight million, but I think the contract was something like eighty thousand a week. But it was like wasn't it a four year contract he signed? Something like that. You think he's at thir- like 32, 33, giving him a four-year deal? Um, being the player that he is, I thought it was, it was incredible, incredible um, 
incredibly weird sort of move for them. But anyway, it's it's a difficult thing to get a, a, a quality striker in. So yeah, and the club we are we are going to have to take a little bit of a risk. There's no doubt that Wickham is a is a bit of a risk, but you know anyone who's 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 seen him play when he's on song will tell you he's you know there's the potential there for some some really truly great things. Do you? Sorry, do you worry that we then haven't got a natural right? Yeah, bang, he's our first choice striker. Because for, for me, Bamford, Wickham, you know, and for, there's an argument for Gale and Murray. You know, you could you could you could make all make a good case for each of those to start. What worries me is that I think we were looking for you know if we sign Remy or even Austin, you know even Austin with regards to the fee, but right, he's our number one. He's our number one striker. And we know we've got a, a you know a handful of players that can come in should the worst happen and they're not available. For me, the worry is who no one leaps off the page as first first name in that position. Yeah, see, that's, yeah, see, that's the problem. It's it's not in a difficulty of that we've got so many strikers. Which one do we choose? It's the matter of fact of which one is the best one. Because at the moment you can't really tell who's our best striker because you've got Gale who can score goals in probably spouts and bursts but and then the same with Murray as well and um, Bamford we haven't really had a chance to see him play but he has got a good goal scoring record but whether he can do that in the Premier League is another story and then Conor Wickham as well is going to be jumping into the club and we don't know what he's really going to bring to the team we know he can bring something else but whether that will be something that will produce goals is another story yeah that's a fair point look we have strikers of different types for a reason because different types of games require different types of players sometimes. And you know, if you're not making a breakthrough one way, it's good to have something that can change it up. But I understand where this is all coming from. Where having having your main man, you know, the striker who's going to start every game if he's fit. And you know, I don't know. I, I do believe if we go out and spend the money rumored on Connor Wickham that, that he will be that striker at least for the you know for a good few games to give him a chance to prove himself. Um, you know, I look at I look at Murray, what he did last year, and look at Murray in pre-season, and it's, you know, Murray is still a, an, an absolute class player, and always probably will be in a Palace shirt. He's, he's, you know, top top player, but I don't know whether I, I don't know whether we can realistically say that it's sensible to start with him as the main man at the start of the season. I think if we bring someone in like Wickham, it will be Wickham. Uh, let's move on. Let's talk about uh, what Steve Parrish said again about Balassi. Um a lot of people on uh, on Twitter and various other places suggesting that they read that as uh, as Balassi will be off. Um, it, I think C. Parrish made it pretty clear that that the club have no wish to sell him. Uh, the manager has no wish to sell him, and they genuinely believe that that the right place for him is here. But it's quite clear that there is an issue of um, uh, of people around him suggesting that he goes out and gets a move. Um, you know, I heard whispers away f- again. You never know what. What you're being told is true, but I heard whispers last season that, that he he was looking to move this season. Um, uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. But um, but I just again I I think that would only make sense if we hadn't had the season we've just had. If you know what I mean, I I, I think we're we're a better club now than any club that he would move to and and get game time and get the same level of support and the same level of tolerance for for the things that. You know he doesn't quite do right. You know he's a fabulous player, but I think he's a fabulous player for Crystal Palace. I'm not too sure how, you know, how a Tottenham or a Liverpool would approach that. Um, you know, him beating three players and then shanking a shot into the road Z. You know, they don't support people like that. So, 
don't know. Don't know what we think, really. Um, Albert? <laughs> I think for for 20 million, I'd let them find out, in all honesty. <laughs> yeah? But, yeah, I've, you know... Listen, it's, you know, it's the same. I know we were in the championship, but it's the same with Zaha when he went to United. If a, if a top six club comes in for, for Balassi, then, you know, I know it's a bit defeatist, but who are we to begrudge him that? You know, he's been here a while and, you know, you can argue, oh, well, he hasn't, you know, he's only had X amount of good games and he's in and out and he's hot and cold, but which I think I've just quite a Katy Perry song, actually. Um, <laughs> but... But um, who you know? Who are we to to get in his way? But for me, you know, players like that, as hot as hot or cold as he is, he's a real he's a real unique talent, and that's you know that's that's twenty million plus for me. So and I'd t- I'd take that, and I'd wish him all the best. Yeah, how successful think, it would be, I don't know. All right. I think the only question you have got to ask yourself on that one is, who would you bring in to replace him if he did leave for that twenty million? Um, Jesus, Katy Perry, <laughs> Katy Perry, brilliant. How do you? How do you? Um, this is the problem. It's how do you replace what Yannick Bellassi brings you? You can go out and get a pacey, tricky winger, you know, and from from you know from a variety of clubs. Uh, there's, there's players out there, but whether they're going to bring you that same level of unpredictability, whether they're going to fit into the team the same way, whether they're going to have a sort of wing partnership with Zaha that we we love to see. You know, it's Matty so Phillips. many. Would you be upset with Matty Phillips? Matty Phillips would be would probably be my number one choice now. Adoma. Um, Adoma is one I talked about earlier in the um, basically in the summer, but uh, in an article I've written. But um, I've kind of gone off that idea. Um, but I think Phillips would cost a, a lot, a lot of money, and he's a very different player to Yannick. But um, I say with with Zaha firing the way he is, you know, it's an absence we can cope with, and you know, every. Every sort of absence is an opportunity for someone else. We saw it with Glenn Murray last year. You know, Fraser Campbell getting a hamstring injury was the opportunity that, that Glenn Murray needed and took. And the same thing happens. If we lose Balassi, I think it will be an absolutely huge blow because, you know, he makes teams play a different way against us. You know, you have you have to watch him all the time. He's a, you know, it's a huge, huge part of our attacking game. And him and Zaha on either wing is brilliant. It's an absolutely brilliant a set attack to have but you you know you will you will cope if a player goes and if he wants if he wants to leave it's really difficult to say to, to give a, a good reason to keep him you know because if he's unhappy what's the point um, I think Gel's just come back oh. you there yeah I'm here <laughs> hi mate you're right. that's the end of the show thanks for listening everyone <laughs> uh, we're talking about Yannick there were some comments I don't know whether you heard them before you went to wherever you went um, uh, about um, about Yannick Bellassi and the potential for him leaving, and obviously Steve Parrish saying that people, you know, within within his camp are unsettling him a little bit um, in terms of where he wants, you know, telling him to to, to leave. And we're talking about how we'd cope with the absence. Views? Um, well, I've, I've had that feeling for ages. Anyway, I think he's like I said a little while ago. I think his agent must be skin. Um, Angling for for you know his cut of a of a move, um, I get frustrated with people like him. Listen, if he's had his head turned, just go. Honestly, there's uh, there, there is another thing as well. Um, I read in the paper today that you know there, there's certain teams after him and maybe Tottenham and this and that. Well, fair enough, go Tottenham. 
you know, scored four goals last year. Three of them was in one game. You know, it's 38 games. Stats don't look good for him. We can get 20 million quid. The other thing I say to Lions yesterday as well is that at the moment, Suarez looks like he puts better crosses in than Yala. So, if we're looking at Jose Enrique, stick, what's his name, out on the wing, get the crosses over. I, to be honest with you, I get a bit peeved when it comes to, to players being unsettled. Either stay or go. The thing is, it's the player. The player employs the agent. The agent if he says, I'm really happy at Palace and I'm happy with the squillions that I'm getting, then he just, you know, his agents go, his agent's not going to go, all right, I'll go and get someone else. You know, it's just, just all about greed. It's just, not behave yourself. You I, 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 I'd, like, I'd like the club to, to stand up against, well, it's obviously not against the player. Well, I don't know if it's against the player. If it isn't against the player and, and it is his agent, then I don't parish would, would front him up. Well, not phone him said, up, but front him up. Yeah, there seems, obviously there's definitely resistance from the club from what Steve Parrish just said to well, us. Oh, yeah, it's 25 but, million quid. But, but, but no, the same resistance. But any, but let's go back to a point you just said, and I, I feel you know we've got we've got to argue this point because you you called it greed. Um, isn't there a case to suggest that it's not greed? Well, you know, obviously they're happy to take extra money, but isn't playing for? I, I hate to say Spurs. I don't want to say Spurs. So I'm going to pick someone else. Isn't playing for Man United Liverpool. or <laughs> I can't say that either with a straight face at the moment. Isn't playing for you know Man City or Chelsea? Isn't that isn't that something that someone in a career of being a footballer should aim at? You know, we're not, we're not however much we love Palace, we know we're not there yet, are we? And you know, we may never get there. But isn't isn't that something you should aim for to be the very best player and the very best club we can get? Yeah, but go. Don't don't do a Pulis on us and leave us two days for the season. If you're going to go, off. Oh, get, right. get your agent and just take your agent with you and do it. If, Joe, you, really, I... if he really wants to go, he can just go. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd rather him do it now than, than just upset the apple cart and, and go a couple of days before the end of the season or go in January. Just seriously, if he, if it, it, it'll only be two people that are trying to do this. Well, it will only be one, ultimately, and that's Yannick himself. You know, and if he thinks he's better than us, you know, if he thinks he can't take us no further or he doesn't want to be of us anymore, he only has to go. It's, you know, and then the club are not going to lower their price. They want 25 million for him. You know, it's, uh, give us 20 million now. We'll take 5 million when you're playing for Real Madrid or not. We'll take 5 million when he scores. Well, yeah. there you go. Anyway, anyway look, um, we're going to have to cut this short, guys. There's plenty more to talk about. I'm, I'm sure you guys are enjoying it at home, but we're approaching two hours in the show, so we'll have to um, continue things in that. There's Obviously, this is coming out on a podcast for those of you listening now, so you can re-listen to those words um, that Steve Parrish gave earlier, make your own thoughts on those. Obviously, there was also chat about the Academy, uh, potential um, improvement on the ground as well. Um, birthday so, presents. Me- meetings happening this week. And birthday presents, yeah. Bloody good ones. So, um, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, they were, yeah. Uh, we have plenty of contact in on this. I will read through a bit of it uh, before we before we say goodbye. Uh, Gary T123 uh, said, not quite what we hoped for, but we'll all back him in terms of Wickham. Um, Spencer Roberts, alternative opinion. Connor Wickham at Palace would be fantastic. Great forward, get goals. Uh, uh, Mark Smith is talking about um, strikers again. Rather use Murray. What happened to Remy or Austin? Feels like a poor man's third choice and an expensive one at that. Uh, Peter Johnson Again, alternative uh, view. Good signing. Performance against Man City not so long ago was excellent. 
powerful has potential. Uh, on Balassi, George Brimble was saying that he'll have Victor Moses or Andrus Townsend as a replacement if he was to leave. Um, further back, uh, Balassi replacements, Moses again, Shakiri, uh, another v get Victor back, another Andrus Townsend. Uh, I think um, <laughs> there you go. That's that's it. And everyone's pointing out that John had got, uh, that Gel had gone mental. Gel, just so just to remind you um, again, we because we do the show earlier now. We're pre watershed, so you know. He dropped an F-bomb, mate, so please apologise. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. Doesn't even, doesn't even care, does he? He'll be beeped in the podcast. <laughs> anyway, um, well, well, I think we'd better just go. Uh, thank you very much to everyone who's, who's, who's listened today. It's been much appreciated. Um, thank you to Tav and to Mikey for a sort of joint producing thing. Thank you to Tav again for uh, being on the show. Cheers to Gel, to Albert, and to myself. Um, see you next week cheers bye it's the 90th minute all your mates around you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget snatching all three points perfect Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.